there are RPGs long forgotten beyond that which is known to the modern gamer. It is a catalog vast as space and timeless as myth and legends. It is the middle ground where panelists from RP Gamer discuss computer and console RPGs from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. This is a dimension of adventure beyond your imagination. This is the RPG Backtrack. And here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Philip Willis and Mike Minky. Welcome to RPG Backtrack number 34, The Ballroom Blitz. On today's podcast, we're talking about Final Fantasy X and X2. But before Mike and I get to chit-chatting with our big panel of guests about this game, we want to chit-chat a little bit about some changes, making some changes, right Mike? Oh, I suppose so. Indeed we are. Um, for those of us, who, for those of you who've been longtime listeners to the uh, to the RPG backtrack, we're just moving some things around to hopefully make this a more pleasant listening experience. We've listened to your feedback that we petitioned for on the boards, and is ten or ten two that hard? Peanut gallery, fine, ten or ten two. Um, uh, anyways, uh, we're gonna be talk. Uh, we're gonna be putting um, PC Pit Stop and Blast from the Recent Past that we do every month into its own special monthly show, and that will actually be the next show that you'll see going up next week after this one's posted. And uh, skits, bonus music, user reviews, and all that will be done after the normal close of the show. So after we talk about our main attractions today, stay on after the closing music, and you might be in for some really awesome goodies. Um, but we want to be able to get right into the games that everybody wants to, to hear so much about. So let us do that right now uh, after we let you listen to some wonderful Final Fantasy X music. We'll be right back. So let us introduce them rather quickly right down the line. First up, to bat, Miss Becky Cunningham. How are you doing this evening? Hello? Am I on mute? Becky there? No, Becky? I was on mute, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing this evening, Miss Becky? I'm doing great. I've been mellowing out all day with Endless Ocean, which shows in the fact that I apparently can't figure out how to unmute myself before talking. Well, I'm glad you're relaxed because we're about to get you riled up. Mr. Roy Burnett, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing just fine. I 
finally got the sanctum up, and Becky actually convinced me to do something other than work on that for the past two weeks. There you go. So everybody go and check out RPG Sanctum. A little quick plug there. You can find that at rpgamer.com. It's our new topical roundtable discussion format podcast, and you really should go check it out. Mr. John Yearworth, welcome back. Ah, it's good to be here. Yeah, I didn't even mess up your name this time. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah, it is actually nice to be called by my actual name for Yeah, once. it's the new generation of RPG Backjack. Mr. Michael Lapps, how are you doing? Pretty good, how are you doing? We're doing great, and last but not least, Mr. Charles Reimer. Hello, you also got my name right as well. Yeah, I'm are not you a... Phil? No, I'm not, I've been replaced by his evil twin brother. And uh, we're, you know, we're oh, cool. just watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers and decided that, by gum, that was great inspiration. <laughs> oh my gosh, and speaking of uh, tw- evil twin brothers and whatever have you, we're going to talk about a duo of games this evening, which uh, you know some people might consider one's the twin brother or sister of the other, depending on how you look at it. Let's first talk about Final Fantasy X, developed by Square, published by Square, here, uh, e- 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 Enix here in North America, um, and this was... Published on the PlayStation 2, I believe, in North America on December 20th, 2001. This is a single-player RPG experience rated T for terrific or terrible, depending on who's going to be talking tonight. <laughs> so, Let's say temperate. Mike, why don't you get us started by telling us, you know, for those people who, for the one or two people in the whole wide world who haven't played this game at all, why don't you tell us, what, what's the story? Lay out the plot for us of Final Fantasy X. You're just doing this because I played it less than a month ago, aren't you? Mm-hmm. It's real fresh in your mind. Okay, we have ourselves a young man named Titus, or Titus, whatever you want to pronounce his name as. He has bleached blonde hair, he's a Blitzball player, and I'm not going to tell you what Blitzball is. I'll let Becky do that later, because she's so good at it. And he gets sucked a thousand years into the future, along with a guy named Oren, and Oren is awesome. I think everyone should agree with that. If we can't, then we're going to have a lot of yelling. And once he's in the future, he finds that a big, ugly thing that really resembles Hedorah from Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster is just blowing everything up all over the world every ten years or so. It's really not quite explained how often this thing called sin comes around, but it just does. It kills everything in its path, unless summoners can come along and perform the final summoning. And when they do, it goes away for a while. And who do they meet when they're in the future? Why, they meet Waka with his wonderful hairdo that must involve several gallons, or se- or several dozen liters, in fact, of hair gel to make that stay upright in water. We have Lulu with her inexplicably goth ensemble in a world that keeps getting destroyed every few years. We have, uh... You know what? I'm already getting into spoiler territory, so I will let other people discuss this the fascinating ins and outs of Final Fantasy X, because I have already laid the ground. There's a thing called Sin running around that kills everything every few years, and Blitzball is the most popular event in the world. You have to have the main character. Yes, I did, and that was deliberate because, uh, well, hey, Charles, you volunteered for it, you do it. Okay. Well, of course, with this, um, you need a summoner, and so we join Yuna on her um, young Yuna on her quest to destroy Sin for the next couple years. Um, while Titus is definitely the um, vocal point of the storyline and narrative, it is still Yuna's quest um, quite most of the way through. So she is 
definitely one of the more important characters to watch out for. I would have to agree. Titus, Titus, whatever his stupid name is, his quest, more or less, is to tag along with Yuna because he has nothing better to do, and so he hangs along with her because he thinks she's cute, pretty much. I think that's more or less the the rationalization we get, right? Yeah, more or less. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. And hey, we're talking about the characters. We should talk about the voice acting. This is the first Final Fantasy game with voice acting, and what an experience it is. <laughs> oh, I can just feel the sarcasm just dripping off the... <laughs> feel the love. <laughs> At least one was good. Well, let me ask you all, before, before we jump ahead first into the, the voice acting, I mean, as far as the plot goes, I mean, you pretty much wrapped up pretty well, Mike. Sin's coming, taking World Summoners. You know, that's Yuna's job is to make it go away, and it's basically her story, even though he says it's his story. He's kind of involved somewhere. The ending kind of I, – I, I had to go to Cornell University just to figure out um, what that ending was all about. But let me, let me just ask you all just uh, across the board – what did you think of the story about Final Fantasy X? Because one of the core tenets of the Final Fantasy gaming experience is that it has a strong narrative, a strong plot, a strong story. People's most fond memories of Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy IX especially revolves around those kinds of things. What so, What did you guys do? Was this a story that just left you breathless? And was so, a- Quick segue. How many times did Titus proclaim, this is my story? <laughs> I don't know. I lost Numerous. <laughs> yeah. At least three. <laughs> 12 times? You may be right. Yeah. I don't know because I wasn't counting. That's <laughs> why I asked someone else. We should make that a contest question, except at the moment I have nothing to give away. Um, <laughs> so if any of y'all find something to give away, you know. Uh, so, so Becky, did you enjoy the plot of, uh, the plot of Final Fantasy X? Well, you have to understand, I don't really remember the plot very well because when I was first playing this game, I was um, post-surgical and on heavy painkillers. Um, so I, I remember running around a lot and there were some places with puzzles and stuff and sin and Titus's dad is a jerk and yeah. Um, so I, I, I sort of remember it all. It's kind of a jumble now, but I actually... Um, stopped playing the game about three quarters of the way into it when I realized I really didn't care what happened. Okay. Well, what about what about my good friend, Mr. Mr. Michael Lapps? Well, the funny thing about this game for me is my first experience with it was actually watching the end of the story as my friend was showing it to a bunch of us. So, you know, I kind of that kind of got me interested in, in it and. You know, despite knowing how the game ended, I still really enjoyed the experience of the story. Mm. I, you know, do you feel that? I it, think it, I'm sorry. No, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna ask you. Do you feel that it, it's it's it, it's it's Final Fantasy good? Like, does it hold yeah. up pretty well with most of the other well-known Final Fantasies? Absolutely. Okay. What about you, Charles? What do you think? Well, actually, I'm in a similar situation. Um, my cousin was over for Thanksgiving and was, you know, playing the final parts of the game. I pretty much watched him play the entirety of basically entering and defeating everything inside Sin. So that is pretty much how I first got into the game, and he sat there and explained everything to it. So when I was playing the game for myself a couple years later, I already knew all the plot twists. Um, I'm very mixed on the plot. I mean, it's not that there were bad ideas. The world spirit's definitely fascinating. 
I just thought a lot that um, it just relies too heavily on the plot twist and the dialogue's not making them any better. <laughs> Which we're gonna we're gonna touch on some of the uh, dialogue and better yet the voice acting in just a moment. Uh, but uh, John uh, John looks like he has a comment about this. Uh, well, I was going to say I actually um, had the sort of completely uh, the completely opposite experience. Um, I instead of sort of seeing the end as other people did, I kind of uh, joined a friend of mine in playing Final Fantasy X on his brand new PlayStation Two, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think I think what struck me most about Final Fantasy X was I'd kind of gone for. Uh, most of the others in kind of a chronological order I sort of went from from six, seven, eight, nine. But after playing nine, ten just seemed like such a change from from where what I was used to from playing Final Fantasy nine. Um, I'm not going. I'm not necessarily suggesting that's a bad thing, but I just seem to remember going through the first uh, three hours of of the game or so, up until the point, roughly up until the point at uh, which you meet Wacker in the story. Um, and I, I just, it felt different, but not in a bad way. It, almost refreshing in a way, but I can see where people are coming from by saying that um, 10 doesn't exactly carry its plot well. So. Mm. What do you feel about this, Roy? Well, and I think 10's plot was decent overall for an RPG. In comparison to um, the other Final Fantasies, it's definitely better than 7 and 8 but not as good as 9 by any means. Um, I think uh, one of the uh, bigger plot twists that um, I think it was uh, when uh, the character Seymour eventually becomes a villain, you could just tell by his gravity-defying hair that you could just tell the first time you saw him, like, that guy's going to be a villain. There's no way he can be a good guy with that hair. <laughs> you mean shaping your hair to look like a Valkyrie helmet does not signify you are a good person? <laughs> I, I just felt Seymour had a really bad case of Sephiroth hair, you know. And if you've got Sephiroth <laughs> hair, you might as well just put a big sign on yourself saying, "Look at me, I'm evil." Well, if it, it was it was for me when when I first played the game. I knew nothing. I actually knew nothing of the story and was completely immune to foreknowledge of plot twists. And the first time I saw Seymour's hair, I just knew he was going to be a villain. <laughs> We'll get to see more in a little bit because there's so much else to discuss about him aside from his hair. Uh, my take on the plot is it has a lot of good ideas that are not necessarily told well. Several plot twists. I'm thinking of what the Albed are trying to do in particular make no real sense because, well, let's just paraphrase Spock here. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Uh, and so I mean let me talk about another nonsensical plot element which is when Riku comes along lest we forget the last time we saw Riku she was kidnapping Yuna but now she wants to protect Yuna and everyone's fine with that because Riku uh, looks like a precocious teenage girl I guess that's there's no other real reason to trust her since everybody knows that she just tried to kidnap Yuna, right? Hey, they, uh, were, they, were, they were doing the same thing in Final Fantasy IX, kidnapping someone to protect them. Yeah. Well, it makes perfect actually, sense. Absolutely. Actually, well, yeah. Also, weren't, weren't Riku and Yuna related? They were like yes, half-sisters. Yes. They were like half-sisters or something. Cousins. Why didn't Yuna yeah. say, why was Yuna not recognizing her 
while she was trapped in the bubble. The outfit, I mean, she was pre before she stripped down, she was barely recognizable. You'd think Riku would want to say something to the person she's kidnapping to reassure that person, hey, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to throw you into a torture cell. I'm just taking you away so that you won't have to sacrifice yourself and so that we can all die instead because there will be no one to stop sin. <laughs> uh, you know, and I mean, even from the first part, I mean, she does the same thing with, with Titus. It seems like, you know, at first before you see anybody's faces and they're, they're first rescuing them from wherever the hell he was at. It, it seems like they're all really mean pirates, and they knock people over, and they knock him out, or I think it seemed like they knock him out, or maybe he just fell out of conscious on his own. But they were really mean to him and pushing him around and stuff. But then she's like, oh, I'm this sweet little, you know, hey, I'm going to help you. Really? Because your friends are beating the, you know, poo-foo out of me. Um, so so I wait into Riku, I guess we should talk about her for a second. I'll at least say that she's pretty well acted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty useful in battle, but we haven't gotten to that yet. I think uh, Riku's certainly one of the more animate characters in in the game's lineup. <laughs> you can say that. Animate. You can almost feel the quote marks. <laughs> well, yes. Excitable also fits, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, one other thing, I mean, just a general overall statement, and I want you all to tell me if you agree or disagree, but it just... It felt like to me that some of the some of the characters could have been like it seemed like to me like the premise behind some of the characters had a lot of promise, but they weren't fully realized. I mean, I, I just felt like you know more could have been done with some of those people. Well, for example, Waka and Lulu, this is apparently not their first time doing this. You think you know you'd get more out input about them, what they saw and what they did, but they kind of just sit there and. Just complain about how useless the main character, Titus, is. Well, that might have something to do with Lulu needing to take a break to reapply her magical boob glue about every five minutes. But... <laughs> Not so early in the cast, Becky, please. My sight's starting out. Look, if we're going to talk about Lulu, hey. there's no choice. We have to mention the boobs that are the size of pumpkins. <laughs> but come on now, if, if if their hair can stay up in water, what's so hard to understand about her robes staying where they're at? Because that's those are stainless steel wigs. Didn't you listen to the earlier skit? Obviously, you can't use stainless steel for your boobs. Uh, well, maybe you can. I don't know. Well, maybe Becky can tell us how that would work. Yeah, <laughs> Don't look at me. We're guys. We're guys. We don't know the secret ways of you women. It's it's called underwire, but I don't think Lulu has any. <laughs> but at least she had a little Koopu doll, so she wasn't all bad, was she? Also, Lulu moves really well, considering that's a long dress, and she has to hop around a lot of inhospitable terrain. Uh, I, I think the I think Square Enix were attempting to go for something called the uh, the face titillation theory, which states the sexiness of an outfit is directly proportional to the possibility that a vital piece of it might fall off, uh, and then you know sort of spectacularly missing the mark by several yards, you know the, the sort of distance you could park between um well, booze boobs. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't think there are many other outfits besides Lulu's that really accentuate the whole thing of 10,000 belts on an outfit. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely the the beginning of Nomura's belt fetish. 
Let's let's save possibly the stupidest outfit in the game for last. I think we can all guess whose that is. Let's talk about Orin instead. Let's talk about something cool. Orin had a big sword. <laughs> I'm compensating for something. Uh, <laughs> it probably helps that Orin also had probably the best back um, actor in the entire thing. I mean. I mean, just listening to Japanese as well, he just is this old, cool dude in the Japanese version. We really got a a guy that really took what the character had and took it the extra mile. I think that does help his overall presentation. That and old, grizzled dudes are usually more interesting than young, spunky, irritating dudes. Maybe that's just me. Well, apparently Square Enix took the lesson from Oren's popularity over here and decided that we all like old, grizzled dudes. Oh, what was so when they when they when they made near? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those fools liked Orin. Let's give him. Let's give them a cross between Orin and Rambo. Ouch! <laughs> uh, goodness! What about some of the other supporting characters? Am I the only person that likes Waka? Quite possibly. Mm. Yeah, I, see. I don't. I don't dislike Waka. He he has a lot of depth, or he would if the script allowed him to. Because this Maybe is it's... like a guy who has is having a crisis of faith after his fundamentalist beliefs are shaken to the core. That's made for interesting stories, hasn't it? Yes, but sure. we kind of get rid of that really quickly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it made for an interesting story here. It, it just could have. <laughs> there was that blue cat. But he was kind of pointless. Yeah, I think he was the, very pointless. I didn't think I think he, he didn't say anything until ten minutes into the I mean, ten hours into the game, didn't he? He was pretty darn quiet. Yeah. We were talking about Kamari. Oh, is that his name? I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I honestly couldn't remember his name. I had to look it up. Because he Kamari really trust Yuna. Yeah, well, he was really that much of a background character, though. I mean, that's I mean, I mean there could have been some potential there. Who knows? But. A background character with a with an occasionally nifty special ability, I think, about sums it up, really. He was the game's blue mage. Let's be yeah, honest. but not a very good yeah. blue mage. No, he was a crap blue mage, but he was still the game's blue mage. His blue magery would have been better if it didn't require that you have the overdrive gauge fully charged in order to use it. <laughs> yeah, pretty. that's basically the, the, the degree of suckitude. And it doesn't have that half about, you know... 20 hours in, he's pretty much completed his part of his character development in um, the Sphere Grid. So then pretty much he's officially basically just going to clone someone else. He was. We're not, we're not talking about the Sphere Grid yet. That's, just, that's basically he's just, he's just a useless character. I mean, he, he didn't really provide much at all. He is, he is the textbook definition of background character. Pretty much. He's a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. That's pretty much it. Kamari was that character everyone threw into battle and all the other characters that died. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, blue blue cat person, you're up. Everyone else is dead. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) So so was him not having a horn supposed to be symbolic somehow? Was that supposed to be the the Ronso version of emasculation? Yeah, I think so. Is it just me, or are y'all not talking about somebody important here? Uh, let's let's talk about Yuna first. Heck, you already mentioned that it's really her tale, so let's talk about 
this person who really needed to take better direction when she was acting. Uh, say? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I've never been one that's really big into the whole, you know, being critical about voice acting or whatever, because I never really pay much attention to voice acting. I'm usually pressing X to skip past it. But the one well, you thing... You can't in this game! Well, I know, but I mean, I just ignore them or I play or my... Yeah. Anyways, my whole thing is <laughs> voice acting notwithstanding, voice acting notwithstanding, I just didn't like her character. It's the good girl, I'm going to sacrifice myself for the real just because it's my thing to do and whatnot. It just, I don't know. And, and, and the voice acting certainly didn't help out, but I, is it just me? I just really didn't care much for her as a character. I thought she was okay. I mean, she's better than some JRPG protagonists. She at least, you know, felt strongly about stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she did at least have convictions, but... And, I mean, even then, after um, her convictions were proven pointless, she kept going on as strong as ever, now in a new direction. So, I mean, she definitely had growth, even if she was a very quiet and timid person. Anybody else got some thoughts on, on Yuna? Did she did she always have double... Co- I swear, I was just watching somebody play this the other day, and her eyes didn't look different colored to me. But I thought they were different colors. Um, they should be different colors. There, um, if not, that would be a very odd issue. Hmm. I don't know. I have somebody have to look. I mean, it up it's hard. And the actual um, when she's actually playing in battle, it's very hard to tell because it's usually so far out, and the blue and green is not uh, really flashy. So it's, I mean, yeah, in battle, I never really notice it. It's only close-ups. Yeah, I was watch I was watching her talk or something and maybe I just maybe my PlayStation's doing too much aliasing on my high depth TV or something. <laughs> kind of blending the two eyes together into one Yuna eye that's just like blue green in color. Hey, she had a in 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 10 she at least had a decent costume. It was just back to true. Me. Hey, she some of her costumes in the other one were okay. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> not talk about we'll, get that. Yeah. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but okay. but how does her costume compare to Mike's favorite costume in the whole game, Mike? <laughs> uh, well, as Gaijin was telling me a couple weeks ago, Yuna's costume is actually based off of Japanese Miko. But yeah, it is. Mister Titus's costume is based off of Tetsuya Nomura believing that people like to wear shorts that are completely dissimilar. That people like to have the most annoying laugh in history. That people like this guy. Actually, I can almost... I didn't hate this guy, but... Jeez. He keeps throwing himself into the forefront of the plot, and he's not the forefront of the plot! But but he, he, he has pants and shorts on at the same time. That's all that matters. Well, and I guess the issue is um, I'm really happy they were starting to get a little over it, but for so long they were convinced they need to have a spunky young male to play the lead role, even if he wasn't important. And when we do other backtracks for the series, it kind of starts to become a running theme that if you're a female and you're the main character, you're no longer the main character. Mm, that's hey, a good point. Hey, hey, what about Final Fantasy VI? I know that's the weird thing. They moved. They went backwards. 
Good point. And it's always bothered me. So, well, Mr. That's why Final Fantasy VI is so good. Yes. You, I am recruiting, and anyone else who wants to join you in the defense of Titus, you are going to frame this man, I'm using the word man loosely, but whatever, in the most positive manner possible, starting now. He just has a great positive outlook. Despite, it? you know, a giant evil monster wanting to eat everything, he just keeps a positive attitude, and I think that makes him a fun and entertaining character. So there you go. And I Roy. don't think his voice acting is that bad. Roy, it's your turn. Defend the character of Titus. Um, I don't really care, because I don't really like Titus. Squall's my favorite Final Fantasy character. But, um... Oh, dear. But, no, um, I guess if you were Noodle, you could say that he's... Noodle says he's really good-looking, if you want to take that. Noodle's standards are interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, um, Quinn apparently fears his titties. <laughs> I don't think he's alone. I just, it why? Just why, Square Enix? Why? For those of you who haven't been paying attention, Titus is going to be in Decidia Duodecim, or however the heck you say that. And yes, he is shirtless. It's just kind call of frightening. It just Thanks, call Becky. it Decidia Two. I paid no attention whatsoever to that game, and now I've learned something I never wanted to know. This has been. <laughs> Just, ah, just, why, why, just, ah, my brain hurts. And no... Wearing wearing a combination yellow and black leather outfit wasn't enough for him. Now he really needs to let himself run free. I I can't really defend uh, Titus at all, because um, in terms of the game's characters, Orin is so much cooler than he is, so... And I... I'm not going to defend Titus because he's a whiny bitch and you can ampersand me if you like. <laughs> oh my gosh, dang it, Becky! <laughs> it's, I'm sorry, there's no other word. I can, I, I if Seinfeld can use that word, we can use it. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I don't mind Tetsuya Nomura's character designs. Just please put some clothes on. Actually, that wasn't um, Nomura. That was a mono. Amano drew him without the shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, I stand corrected on that one. God damn it, Amano! I bought your art. what Amano's original illustration this. looked like, though. Oh, it was a really good one, but then he drew him without a shirt. Because <laughs> yeah, his, uh, his original outfit was more rugged and actually looked wearable to go outside in. Although, I have a friend who is so bothered by the asymmetrical shorts that she can't shut up about it if you get her on the topic of Titus. It's kind of hilarious. I don't mind fashionable asymmetry. I don't mind most of Nomura. I just kind of... yeah. I, I don't mind Amano. Just please put some clothes on. Is that so much to ask? Alright, come on. Outfit aside, he's an entertaining character. Not right? really. Nothing? Sometimes. All right, fine. He's entertaining, but for the wrong reasons, I think you'll find. <laughs> I think when he threw his first ten- temper tantrum is when it completely lost me. Yeah, when he, when he picks a fight with Orin, that's when I lose all sympathy for him. You're a moron, Titus. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
My issue is he really, I mean, I understand this is a foreign world and he, you know, doesn't understand the customs, but he really seems hell-bent on being ignorant to basically get away with anything. I mean, ignorance is not bliss, Titus. Try to at least reserve yourself and don't act like a complete idiot every five seconds and have everyone explain how to breathe. <laughs> but he's got amnesia because he was too close to sin. Does he really? I don't think he does. <laughs> I think he's just naturally that way. But that's what he told me in the game, and I believe him. I'm well, I so say that crazy. his narration is biased. So, <laughs> uh, as long as we're talking about Titus, and this segues into Waco Talk too, we have to talk about what Titus is really good at, which is not fighting. It's something called Blitzball. Uh. Please, everyone. Share your thoughts on Blitzball. It's addictive. Yeah, I play actually, more than actual game. Yeah, I'm actually going to. I'm actually going to come clean on this one. I think the inclusion of Blitzball may have added a good fifty hours onto my play file. Fifty hours. Uh, fifty yeah. hours of Blitzball. Yeah, I got about thirty-five, forty. I played uh, as little of that crappy mini game as I possibly could. I'm with Becky. I played it when it was required. I, I played the required segment and never even thought about yeah. touching anything. I played. I played about. I will say I probably went through about. I don't know five or ten hours or something. I think you unlock certain items or weapons as you went through it, and I unlocked a few of those guys. I I, I definitely didn't put fifty hours in though. Well, but if you if really you, think about it, if you take the time to level up the spear grid, weapons are meaningless in this game. Really? Yes, I took the time to level up the spear grid instead. Uh, you know, uh, I, just, you I know. honestly basically did it for the ease. If you have um, Jack Shot 2, there's no competition ever. Yeah, I don't remember being terribly challenging, except at the, you know, at the beginning it was tough to, to kind of win a match, but as the characters statted up or leveled up or whatever the heck they did, um, you know, I, I, just, I just got better and better as far as the team got better and better and the game got kind of easier and easier. I saw it more as a strategy simulation than an actual you know, arcade game. I mean, what did you think, John? Um, I, I was going to say, um, it, I, it, to me, it appears as though someone at um, in Square Enix's department for making mini games have just been playing a little bit too much of uh, a, a, an old NES game named after or created after the um, Captain Tsubasa uh, series of football manga, um, where basically the, the the NES game itself is just basically a a, a screen of, of of an eight bit character running around on a football field, and the actual game is the fact that it's drawing all of your players on like a kind of map of the pitch in the bottom right, and the game itself played out by um, you sort of took strategic pauses uh, in order to direct your players. Um, so you you pause the game and you told the player that you were controlling to to pass or to continue dribbling. Now, basically, what Blitzball is, is just that, it with three-dimensional graphics, if you think about it. Because you didn't directly control... I, I don't seem to recall, you didn't really directly control the, any of the players during Blitzball. You just kind of uh, paused the game occasionally and, and picked options from a from a menu. Um, so yeah, so I think basically it's just a guy in guy in the uh, guy in the mini game department just playing a little bit too much of that and thought, hey guys, I've got this really good idea. Let's put this let's put the, some three D graphics on this and ship it out. 
Well, you know, you could use the manual mode in which you controlled the person holding the ball. Mm-hmm. That's what I usually did. I did not trust that AI. <laughs> Although it's still, uh, the game still controlled the other uh, characters on your team, though. Oh, well, yes, yes, of course. And but, you only I mean, ever controlled the character with the, who had the ball. The rest of them were always at the whims of the AI. Unfortunately. Controls. Which was somewhat like the uh, AI of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes, I stuck that one in for free for all you Canadian listeners. <laughs> hey. hmm. So with, <laughs> let's go. Let's just, um, before we... we, we, we talk about Blitzball anymore. Let's just let's just wrap up as far as our chit-chat about characters or whatnot. Villains. Okay, now it's time to talk about Seymour and his fabulous outfit. Oh, Seymour is, I think, next to Kuja, one of the most fabulous villains in Final Fantasy history. It mm. takes a lot of guts to wander around with your robe open to the waist and a big colored string of beads hanging down from your neck. And he doesn't pull it off, but I don't think anyone really could. (laughs) (laughs) Good one, Mike. (laughs) Especially with the prominent veins. That usually doesn't translate into showing lots of skin. Most people don't like to see that. Ah. Well, my main issue with Seymour is he is probably one of the least threatening, serious villains in the series. To the point that the party themselves... Stop taking him seriously. I mean, if you're going to be a villain, you have to at least impose some threat. Now, yes, as a boss battle, he's actually quite intimidating, but in the terms of plot, hell no. Okay, was I noticing a Dolom thing with him for a little while where he kept trying, We will destroy Spira. No, we will save it. Destroy, save, destroy, save. If only Lord of the Rings had come out by then, he could have done it in the Gollum voice, but no. Well, that's mostly probably because um, he thinks saving Spira is only possible through destruction. And they probably were it better, he could have said mercy kill. That would have gotten the point wow, across much better. And and no villain in the history of fantasy literature or video games has ever had that kind of idea before. You're right. What an original concept. Okay, John. Um, I was just going to say, uh, if you're going from the previous game, bear in mind that uh, the previous villain, um, Kuja, did, was actually successful in destroying an entire planet. It, you, then you, you kind of go to the next game and you come up against Seymour, and it's like, God damn, that's a hell of an understatement. I mean, the, the dude just isn't threatening. I mean, Kuju was mad, but at least he blew something up. Michael Apps, I do believe you have something to say about Seymour. I do. I don't think John's comparison is good, because Kuju was pretty much the main villain of Final Fantasy IX, whereas, you know, Seymour is like the Sauron to make a Lord of the Rings comparison here. He's... You know, he's a villain, but, you know, Sin is the main focus of the story here. Seymour is kind of just, he's kind of just there. Yeah. <laughs> to the FF series, wouldn't he be sort of like a Gilgamesh? That's not not Gil- Gilgamesh was infinitely yes. more awesome. I'm not trying to compare the two on scales of awesome, because obviously Seymour loses, but in the sense that you fight him multiple times, 
and he's sort of an actual antagonist instead of Ultros being just an octopus who doesn't like you. (laughs) (laughs) But Ultros was Uh, fun. Yeah, Ultros was funny. Villains will get distracted. (laughs) Ultros deserves to be in Dissidia. He is in Dissidia. Well, is but, is like, he, but is he wearing a no, shirt? Like he, he needs to be a playable character is what I mean. <laughs> I was going to say, because he he, they did thoughtfully, at the very least, stick him in. Just not as a playable character. Yeah, he needs to be a playable character, though. So, Roy, what are your thoughts on Seymour? Um, well, <laughs> my favorite part about Seymour is his gravity-defying hair. He takes that to a new level. <laughs> With the uh, two uh, spike things that come out on each side. And gotta love his outfit. <laughs> yeah, and he, he's definitely that useless side villain that just kind of acts as like a filler point in the game, like on a filler anime episode. <laughs> yeah, and hey, did anyone else guess that his people, the Guado, were evil? No, they look perfectly... Wonderful, nice people. <laughs> yeah, that, that was not foreshadowed in the slightest. I'm glad at Square's restraint. Well, I'm sorry, but you just don't name your happy, fun races the Guado. <laughs> yeah, that that name was always a bit <laughs> odd, I felt. It, it was a bit telling. As with Seymour's hair. Seymour's hair is telling of many, many things, most of which we don't really want to be told. Hmm. So let's okay. let's so move- let's see more. Uh, <laughs> for a while, the Albed are sort of villains, aren't they? I mean, we do fight them multiple times, so they sort of fall into the antagonist category until they reveal that they aren't really antagonists. They just like to throw death machines out there to try and kidnap its owners. Yeah. <laughs> um, that actually could be the major issue with Final Fantasy X. There's really no one that's, you know, evil for evil's sake. Everyone has really, really bad, we're going to save the world, through really unthought through means. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, because the overall, quote-unquote, you know, enemy, I guess, or the plot element or whatever have you is really Sin. And, and I don't know if Sin kind of comes across as a standard enemy as much as he comes across some sort of unknown force of nature that just wipes things out for kicks and giggles. But I, I, the whole Sin thing, I couldn't wrap my head because they kept talking about real Sin or was his name Sin. I, I, I got so confused. Maybe Michael uh, Apps can help me out with this. Uh, I can't help you out with the specifics. I just wanted to talk about um, why I liked having kind of this, you know, force of nature as the main villain rather than, you know, your typical kind of RPG villain. Okay. I, right. I... Tell me, did have you seen Godzilla versus the Smog Monster? No. Okay, then why? you can't tell me whether Sin looks kind of like the Smog Monster, because I swear he does. <laughs> I could not tell you that. But uh what I, I derailed you. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. What I was gonna say is I just like that um 
you know, it, it made this game have a totally different feel from not just your typical Final Fantasy game, but your typical RPG in general, you know, because usually, usually there's some kind of villain that's driving the plot forward, and this time it's kind of just this force of nature that you have to deal with. And it's not something that can be talked with or reasoned with. It's, you know, it's just a completely different thing. And, and But there was a lot of tie-in with the plot and Yuna's religion and the reason why he had the name Sin. Charles, can you help me make some sense of all this? Sure. Um, basically, for the gist of it, Sin is no different from the Aeons that the Summoners are using. He's just very, very much bigger. Um, the main issue with the game is the fact that because Sin can't be defeated, um, it's all because the actual thing controlling it all is a giant cockroach inside of it. Looks like a deer tick to me. A tick. Yeah, it does. It does look like a deer tick. Yeah, I mean, it's a person whose soul's degraded to such a point that it's not even human. But yeah. So when your soul degrades, your body degrades too. The, the game oh, never addresses this, so we have to address it here. Kind of. Um, I mean, all the themes are based off the souls of the dead. Every single enemy you kill is basically a dead person whose soul got really weird along the way. Hmm. That's That sounds like a great um, JRPG mechanic. Well, we need a reason why these monsters are so evil and twisted and attacking everybody. Oh, they're always the souls of dead people. Preferably bad dead people. <laughs> Well, more of it's they after you die and you aren't sent in the world of Spira, you eventually become to resent the living, and somewhere along the way you become a fanged beast or a giant tentacle monster, ah. a deer tick. Oh, it's all clear now. And so one of these deer ticks controls the big, huge Aeon known as Sin. Yep. Got it. I'm very disappointed that that deer tick didn't even try to latch onto me and suck my blood. It just tried to cure itself. <clears throat> well, if you... Yeah, it's... <laughs> Pretty pathetic. It's definitely probably the worst final boss in the entire series. And that's saying a lot. There's some bad, bad ones. Yes, and it comes it's right after you have to beat the crap out of every single Aeon in a very long, tiresome sequence, but we'll get to that. I wouldn't even really call it the last boss, because you can't lose. Kind <laughs> of just, it's, it's just like a... I don't know what to call it, but it's not really... I, interactive I story segment? Like, there you go. Interactive story segment. That's what the Aeons fall under, too, right? When you have to beat all of them again? Or yeah, build. I mean, you can't die. Yeah. Yeah, you're afflicted under um, auto-life for the rest of the... for that entire fight. Took me half an hour to kill those stupid Aeons, and that was a waste of time. Yeah, that would have made a, a nice, like, you know, pre-rendered movie, I think. I didn't really <laughs> like the way they did that. Uh, okay. So, I, I was, I was, I was just going to say that uh, I personally feel that the only one quality of that whole section that I actually liked was it had it had a decent music theme. That's it. Hmm. Yeah, it got it got old after a while, though. After I think the fifth or the sixth Aeon I killed. <laughs> <laughs> so you you guys are not making me regret my decision to stop playing this game about three quarters of the way in. <laughs> yeah, but Becky, you get to kill a giant deer tick. It's not as bad as they're making it sound. It's worse. <laughs> um, no, no, no. <laughs> Final Aeon um, is actually a good boss. Listen. Yes, she was good. This 
this weird interactive story segment follows a really, really awesome boss fight. Well, it was something that sounds like Slayer. Let's yes, let's... which made it completely awesome. Oh yes, Otherworld. I think several people did confuse it for Slayer at one point. And I thought that it was a Romstar. They also thought it was. I don't know. It's they. Most people think it's someone famous when it's just some dude they got off the street. You know, let's talk a little bit more about that battle system that makes this last fight oh so awesome after we come back from this wonderful music from Final Fantasy X. We all were listening to this music. We got into a little bit of a fight here, and so we're going to talk about Final Fantasy X's battle system. <laughs> I don't know. It was the best thing I could come up with off the top of my head. <laughs> Mike. Go. Becky, go. Who, me? Yeah, sure. Why not? What other Becky is there on this show? Yeah, just one Becky. I'm <laughs> uh, just wondering why you're calling me to talk about battle systems, which I'm usually not – I don't have a lot much to say about. Um I this was the first game I played on my brand new PS2, so I don't remember anything except it was a kind of standard turn-based, and there were some Final Fantasy twists in it, and somebody else say something. <laughs> well, the, I was, was going to say the Final Fantasy X was interesting in that the, the turns were were kind of absolute. In the other games, obviously, if you hung around, if you had um, the ATV set in a particular way, if you hang around for too long, you would. You know, the enemy would simply just beat on your face endlessly. With uh, Final yeah. Fantasy X, you you didn't even have to pause the game. Was that um, every turn was kind of self-contained? Um, yeah, it basically and, went back to the turn-based system. Yeah, entirely, rather than ATV. But what I really liked about this was that it showed you on the right-hand side a list of who was going next, and if you used a haste spell or you lose a slow spell or anything like that, it would reposition everybody in the queue. And this was something that, I mean, you did it with Final Fantasy Tactics, but outside of that, I think this is something that should be in every JRPG turn-based, you know, turn-based game, and that you should be able to impact it through special moves and whatnot. I'd also like to segue real fast, uh, not just slow, but... Blind, dark, uh, 
poison, all of the status ailments actually do something useful this time, unless an enemy is specifically immune to them. And now we have uh, John. You go first. What? Huh? I know. I've already said my piece. Okay, Charles, you go. Uh, I think it was at Michael Epps was next. All right, he's raising three hands anyway, <laughs> so he must have, he has to have three kinds of stuff to say. Uh, what I really liked about this battle system is, unlike you know most of the Final Fantasy games where you have the whole party together, but you know only four of them can fight and that's it. You know you can actually switch in at different party members and actually use everyone for once. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, and 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 sometimes the tactical considerations to do so felt kind of forced, such as Waka uh, being strong against flying creatures. To me, felt a little forced. But there were t- there were many many more times where it actually felt kind of organic because I had uh, you know one person was more of a magic user, I needed magic, or I needed that kind of person, or this person had more magic points, and I didn't want to use up my potions and things like that. Hey man, if you were a bird, would you want a volleyball smacking you in the head? I don't want a volleyball smacking me in the head, and I'm not a bird. What if you were so, a yeah. one-eyed flying demon? Yeah, there's little spikes on those balls. Did you guys notice that? They're, they they got little ridges on them. That's painful. Smack you in the eye. Uh, you know, and, and anybody who talks to me, anybody who's listened to Backtracks before, whatever have you, knows that I am not a super huge fan of traditional JRPG battle systems. They drive me bananas because they have remained mostly unchanged in the last 20, 30 years or whatever have you. It's like nothing new underneath the sun. But I really felt like Tens was very well executed for the most part. It actually kept me you know, interested between, like Mike's saying, for once to ask, uh, ailments actually do have a place. Um, being able to switch out the characters on the fly, being able to affect the turn orders in combat, and during the tough battles, uh, you know, if you went to some of the harder areas or optional areas or whatever have you, keeping an eye on all of that you know, was an important consideration. Yeah, it was actually too difficult for me as a as a major noob to console RPGs. It was a little too much. I should yeah. mention that uh, I actually used slow on the pagodas during the Braska's final Aeon fight, and that helped immensely. So I didn't have to kill them. They were just slow and didn't recharge him too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I, I must admit, I actually just used a, uh, a mix overdrive on the final boss that made it ludicrously easy. Yes. Yeah, I never used Riku's ability to uh, put new abilities into your weapons very much, so I never got the uh, the break 9,999 damage limit overdone, which made it uh, more time-consuming to take down bosses. No, no, because there was um there was one uh, there was a relatively easy to obtain item where if you use it with um, Riku's overdrive, it would grant your characters the ability to always deal um, 9,999 damage in both attacking and healing. Um, you didn't need the break damage ability on the weapon because you just combined that with um, Titus's overdrive ability, oh. the one that hit the one that hit multiple times, and the boss just falls over dead after two of them. <laughs> I don't even remember. I, I I know I got a couple new overdrives for Titus, but I pretty much stuck to the basic one. Hmm. <clears throat> I, and so oh, yeah. Uh, uh, talking about Braska's final on there are a lot of other interesting bosses that require you to think in this game. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that I liked was that you know in a number of the encounters you really actually did had you really had to apply what you were learning and what you knew up to that point and use that battle use the battle systems and mechanics and how well you you know you, your characters what characters handle what the best. 
Seymour I may be. Well, I thought some of the boss fights, though, had the you have to die to this boss before you figure out what to do kind of mechanic to them, though. Oh, I only saw that with a couple of them. Most of them, I took a beating at first, and then I figured out what I was supposed to do and got it. Yeah, well, it probably has something to do with the fact that I sucked at that point because it was one of my first RPGs. Well, yes, oh. if you suck at that time, then you're not going to I mean, totally, I can understand where you're coming from, Becky, because, uh, you know, at that point, I had been playing RPG or uh, JRPGs for about 10, 15 years, and, uh, you know, for me, it was a natural fit, but, uh, yeah, if you're just jumping into that guy's your first game, yeah, that could be a bit tough. Well, Final Fantasy IX was my first JRPG, but mm-hmm. this one was, you know, considerably different in terms yeah. of the paddle system. That's a good one to start with. Yes. Yeah, nine, nine was an awesome one to start with. Um, I'd say probably for the boss fights. Um, really, the second fight for Seymour and on the boss fights started to become ridiculously overcomplicated, especially compared to a lot of the you know basic enemies in the areas you're beating up. It's definitely a really odd kind of jump in the difficulty. And I remember the first time I played it, it got me. I mean, until I replayed it last year for the year of Final Fantasy, I could not get past um you know. Basically, I could get the best I could do is get into sin, and after that, I'm dead. Oh, um, I had, um, I must admit, I had trouble with the. It was the third fight against Seymour, um, the one, on, the one on the mountain. Yeah, um, that was, and that was that was losing that fight a couple of times. Basically, made me go and seek out that trio of nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine overdrive, and basically just beat him with that. Which I then used, which I then used for his uh, fourth fight inside Sin as well, just as a kind of, yeah, screw you, I'm not, I'm not fighting you fairly. I'm just going to use this ability and win basically I, as soon as the I fight cheated. starts. Uh, last year I cheated on the game because I actually went to the um, secret bonus dungeon, got um, Or and Yuna and Riku their alternate weapons. La 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 la. I beat the final bosses in like five minutes each. Mm. <laughs> Well, it's easy when um, Yuna's can break, and when basically Anima is doing 9,999 damage with every breath. <laughs> yep, that'll put a that'll put a damper in their day. Oh yeah. So you know we talked we talked about battle system a bit, and we we you know we kind of touched on you know some of the mechanics behind it. A variety of fights you're going to see, and yeah, I think that's really a highlight of the game. I mean, and Mike again, you just hit straight on the sheer amount of fights, having to be aware of the status elements for once in your gosh darn life, and being able to use them at the right time. Another key component to being successful in Final Fantasy X was understanding and mastering the sphere grid. Now, this was a different leveling mechanic than I think anything I had seen before. I don't know if there was any game like it beforehand where you had basically this huge, uh, for lack of a better analogy, it looked like a big, huge board game to me, really. But you had these tracks that you moved on by spending points, and and as you moved over the board, you uh, you picked up abilities, uh, more hit points, more action points, or or attack points, or whatever have you for your character. Magic points, whatever. Which you had to to fill in some of those blanks with uh, spheres that you found while adventuring. Or, or whatnot. Mike, would you care to expand on this a little bit more? Yeah, it's fairly simple. You gain ability points, experience points by any other name, and once you've gained enough, you can move one level on the sphere grid, and enemies happen to drop the special spheres that you will need. Each notch on the sphere grid that possesses a statistic upgrade comes with a different sort of sphere that you will need to unlock it in, in addition to just moving there. But 
unless you run from every fight, and I don't know why you would do that, because then you will lose, um, you will get enough of these spears to easily make your way through. And I found it kind of fun to just wait a long time and get, say, 20 levels on the sphere grid for everyone at once, and then spend 10, 15 minutes moving them around on the grid and massively upgrading them. And you had to unlock certain parts of that grid by finding special keys and stuff. And and I don't think I found you know all the keys because I had a couple of parts of my board locked out. But what was really cool to me, and and I don't know if you had the same experience, guys, but what was really cool to me was um, when you got a couple of those spheres that let you, I guess, teleport to the other part. Because every character started in a different part of the board, which um, which was supposed to be you know like if Titus is a more physical fighter, the the things in his part of the board kind of lend him more than that, even though you did a lot of customization yourself. But it was cool to be able to take another character, teleport into that part, and start you know earning those things for themselves. I should mention that Ultima, I never got. I got. I came close, but level four key sphere locks are pretty hard to come by unless you deliberately go after them, and I didn't make it a point. Yeah, it, it looks took like me John... Sorry, Charles. Yeah, it took me a while. I It took a lot of effort to get all those um, level four sphere grids. I barely got enough but ultimate was very fun was it was it a matter of finding uh were, were they all hidden or was it a matter of grinding so many battles out to get those things um, they're dropped i mean they're, they are dropped in certain battles but mostly in the monster arena which even i didn't dare go to um there, <laughs> there's barely enough available otherwise in the actual game like you you can't use any of the level fours other than get ultima and to get double cast that's about it. Anything after that, you're going to have to start grinding somewhere, and it's a nightmare. Oh, uh, well, I got zombie attack, so boo on me. Um, I was going to say that um, I actually unlocked Ultima on the Sphere Grid by using one of the probably rarer Black Magic Spheres, a sphere that allows you to unlock any Black Magic spell on the grid, um, of which Ultima is one. So I actually do, I think on all of the... Um, at least on the, the save in which I got the furthest in Final Fantasy X, um, all of the characters that know Ultima do so, despite the fact none of the level 4 locks have actually been unlocked. Um, I was actually going to say that um, the international versions of Final Fantasy X, so the ones that got um, uh, released, uh, at the very least the ones that made it over to the PAL regions, I believe was actually um, a version of um, Square Enix's... You know how Square Enix occasionally do enhanced remakes of games and then re-release them. Um, I'm actually under the impression that um, the PAL uh, uh, PAL region edition was actually the enhanced version. So when you started the game, it was actually possible to select something called the Advanced Sphere Grid, which um, had a completely different... um, arrangement to the regular sphere grid um, and allowed for a lot more um, customizability of characters if you're willing to accept the fact that at the start of the game uh, your characters would be quite weak. So they basically they would be weak and ad- but adaptable sort of thing. Um, so yeah. I don't know what other changes um, the PAL region... Uh, edition made, other than the addition of some some of the really hard post game content. So, mm-hmm. but otherwise, but, but otherwise, yeah, there were things there. Were you um, the the PAL version had additional spheres that allowed you to do things like learn any black magic sphere. Yes, on the that co- one you just mentioned, which I never saw, and Either also learn any, learn learn any ability on the grid, like double cast. Well, um, 
our version did have black spheres and black magic spheres and ability spheres. The issue was they could only be used if someone's already unlocked it. They were. Oh, we yeah, cannot... that, no, that was it. Yeah, so I must have unlocked them. Otherwise, I would yeah, never. Yeah, you, you had to unlock. You had to unlock them at some point. I mean, then you could get them to other people, but you had to get Ultima somehow. Yeah, although you did only have to unlock three. You needed exactly three level fours to get Ultima. Yes. At which point anyone could get it just by using either teleports or black magic spheres. Yeah, yeah. that was very useful. Sorry, it's been a long time since I've played it. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. I was just... <laughs> yeah, never mind. <laughs> so, thank, well, thanks for correcting me on that one. Otherwise, it would have looked like a complete tool. Yeah, here I thought you had some secret awesome sphere that would have allowed me to get something without putting anyone near the, near it on the board. And Nope. Good to know. <laughs> and it can be yours for only $75 on eBay. Um, so... I found one for 21 <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think my search criteria must be off. Then I'm just putting. Can you Final play Pal game? Yeah, I'm not uh, sure. Does the PlayStation Three play Pal? Oh, probably not. No, because I got backwards compatible one. No, it's still playing. Yeah, well, that here. doesn't address the electrical code difference that is the Pal region. Yeah, not sure. <laughs> um, so overall, did you guys enjoy, uh, did you like the, um, the sphere grid as a way to level up your characters as opposed to the good old fashioned XP get you level deal? Yeah, I, I personally, I really enjoyed the sphere grid because it allowed me to turn, um, Yuna into my primary caster and completely ignore Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> I did that as well. Now, even though I don't have the highest opinion of Final Fantasy X overall, I enjoyed the Sphere Grid. I thought it was pretty fun. I like anything that lets you customize your characters. So I actually used the big blue kitty. I um, turned him into basically a second <laughs> black mage so that when there was something that was weak to magic, he and Lulu would just rip things up. You know, I actually did the same thing, Becky. I actually used Blue Kitty as a as another uh, black mage, and I actually ended up using him as you know a lot more than I thought. I had to pull him in, you know, quite a few times, and he he excelled more in that role than he ever did as a physical attacker. Yeah. Oh, I I took him down Oron's path. <laughs> I took him down Titus's path. I think I found all the extra haste spells pretty useful. <laughs> yeah, um, I used him originally as Oron clone, but that was never very useful. I think my most recent playthrough, I used him as a Yuna clone. Um, I, well, mix between you and Riku. I basically just have him as a when necessary utility. Mm-hmm. I never really upgraded him at all. Poor Blue Kitty. As you can tell <laughs> from listening to us, every one of us have, uh, can I say this word, Mike, bastardized him in a different way, you know? <laughs> Don't you remember when Seinfeld iconically said, let's go watch him slice this fat bastard up? All right, so yeah, this this poor kitty just—he has no personality. No one knows who he is. Nobody cares. But we all use we all use and abuse and screw him over in different ways. Well, it, was, um, it was like I said, he's the one you bring in when everyone else is dead. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, hey, at least he stabbed <laughs> Seymour in the chest once when he was on that long-winded rant. Yay! <laughs> didn't end the fight, but it was nice. <laughs> So let's uh, let's touch base uh, before we wrap this up. Let's talk let's talk a bit about the other elements of the game, starting with the um, with the NPCs in the world. Did you feel drawn into the the world by the by the graphics and the interaction with the NPCs? Did you feel drawn into the world of what was it, Spira or something like that? Spira. Thanks. Spira, Spear Grids. It's not hard to get. They all play games in a sphere. <laughs> wow. There's uh, the thing going on death. here. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so did y'all feel really drawn into the world as you as you you know walked around and you drawn in? I mean, what did you feel? Uh, uh, did this game? Does this game still use 2D graphics for its for its backgrounds as you were walking around everywhere, a la Final uh, Fantasy IX, or was it all full 3D? It was 3D, but it was static. Yes, you could uh, not move the camera. Remember that lovely sequence before you fight Raska's final Aeon when you have to dodge the stupid shafts of Earth that poke from the Earth and you can't see them because the camera won't tilt? Oh, come on. That's the only time the camera's a problem, I think. It, it is, but yeah, I'll grant you it wasn't an enormous problem. I was kind of underwhelmed by the linearity of the exploration of the world through most of the game, having started off with Final Fantasy IX, where you get to fly around in an airship and everything. I was, I kept waiting. Okay, when am I going to get to like go freely around the world? Okay, not yet. No, not yet. No, not yet. No. Final, <laughs> Final Fantasy IX is pretty linear for most of that game. Yeah, well, I got... the the world map gives you more of an. It, you know, an illusion of being able to explore. Yeah, yeah I mean, the lack of a world map in this one is is a bit jarring for if you started with a different Final Fantasy. I'll say yeah, that. and despite the people who love to smack down Final Fantasy thirteen because of its clear linearity, I just like to I keep pointing out the fact that every Final Fantasy has been linear, even when, like Becky says, they kind of give you the illusion with the world map a lot of times that it's open, but really there's not a whole lot of places you can go to, and if for some reason there is, there's level 82 monsters ready to remind you where your boundaries are. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, with that being said, now, do you feel that, do you feel that between the music, the, the, the 3D backgrounds, uh, did it really drew you into the world? Not really. Um, I do, I applaud the game for at least, you know, sitting down and actually trying to come up with the environment. Um, I'm not a lot of the worlds actually are well thought out. It's um, definitely one of the more well thought one, well thought out ones, which is actually I think a general theme of the PS2 Final Fantasies. But um, I don't know. The environments were so schizophrenic. I mean, like you know, thunder plains into a blue crystal forest. I know it was going for fantasy elements, but it was very weird. And a lot of the time, is this is not my favorite soundtrack. And a lot of the music is really very very background. And I don't know, I just kind of felt like a lot of the game just kind of wants to be just little draperies instead of actually a full-fledged world. Wow. I'd say the exact opposite of everything you just said. Well, I, sure. thought one, I thought it was one of the best soundtracks and I thought the, you know, the varying locations in the world were really interesting and made it a you know a pretty cool ride to go through all these cool different areas and you know if you if you go back and look at a lot of the other PS2 games were that were available at the time it was really i'd say stunning graphically compared to just about anything else you could play cuz that cuz it was a pretty early PS2 game yeah it was yeah and, i mean and, and i definitely agree in that context um as an early PS2 game, I mean, the game did really, really well. Um, and even today, I was just um, um, watching Noodle play it and um, last week. And it really struck me as like, wow, this is an early PS2 game? There's a – and because of the attention to detail in some areas, it even looks better than some PS3 games almost. I mean, it, it was just it was just pretty well done. I thought it – 
It's called, aged very well. Yeah, it's aged very well. And I thought it interesting, like um, I think Charles said, that um, that they, they use the 3D engine, but it's all a fixed camera angle. And that had me scratching my head. I mean, why bother using 3D graphics if you're not going to be able to rotate everything around? Other than the fact that, of course, it'll make it look, you know, modern-y and PS2-y. Um, but, I mean, why not go with the pre-rendered render backgrounds? And those things always had so much detail to them. Um, I guess it's a tribute to the game's visuals that we can so extensively mock the characters' outfits because they're so clearly visible. That's a good point. What did you think overall, Mike, about you know the whole atmosphere and the setting and the, and the world itself? Incoherent, but positive on the whole. I'm, I'm with Charles on the general huh aspects of some of the placement of areas, but while I'm in them, they look Darn pretty. And as for the NPCs, there were a few of them who had who mysteriously accompanied you along your travels and apparently just ran away from all the monsters so that they never died. But catching up with these people was moderately interesting. Somewhat more interesting than what your main characters actually had to say, like when Riku was scared of the lightning. Oh no, that was a serious plot point. I don't get it. And... I was scared of the lightning minigame. Yeah. <laughs> I avoided that. I So did I. After I noticed that I wasn't taking damage from being hit by lightning, I stopped caring. Mm, I, I, okay, did any of you dodge it a thousand times? <laughs> no. Hell no. <laughs> uh, wasn't the requirement 200 anyway? I mean, yes, no, 200. but... It- doesn't matter at that point. It's the same. <laughs> hey, Roy, I mean, you haven't talked for a while. I mean, was there anybody that you... Do, is there anybody you guys know of who did it for 200 times? Don't you get, like, a secret weapon or something, his ultimate weapon? Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's, Lu- uh, is it, I think it's Lulu's... One of the things that unlocks Lulu's ultimate weapon or something? Yes, I think Lulu. Which um, is one of the reasons why I didn't bother. Because I didn't bother <laughs> using Lulu. Why bother? I think one of my friend. I think a friend of mine did, you know, pull it off. I don't know. I need to ask him, but um, yeah, the light. Well, actually, we can just talk about the mini games another time. There's a lot to talk about them. Yeah, let, let's save the things that I mostly did not bother with for slightly later. So, Roy, what's your thought on the setting and NPCs? Well, um. The setting, I'd say it, it's really odd in places. It, graphically, it, it stayed um, really good throughout the PS2's life era. And even compared to some games like Resonance of Fate, it still looks pretty good graphically. Um, in terms of its setting, it there were some parts of it that were really weird. Um, like, um, you went, um, like when you're walking along that cliff area where you fight that giant scorpion boss... And then you you get past that area, and suddenly you're in a crystal forest. <laughs> it it transitions between areas were sometimes odd like that, and then you go through these guado caves, and suddenly you're on this plane of endless lightning. The all of you were just mentioning him. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it, I will say. Oh, sorry, I was going to say a couple of times they do make sense. The, the, um, the, the setting was different. I'll give it that. <laughs> <laughs> So any other any other major game aspects that we're missing out on, Mike, before we head to the concluding thoughts? 
Well, equipment doesn't really matter much. You have Riku's ability to slap new skills or facets onto your equipment, but honestly, I didn't make too much use of it because uh, the equipment you start with is mostly good enough. Hmm. And you you don't equip any armor, you just equip a weapon and an accessory. Um, that That makes that part real simple. And the weapon has no real stats, it just has things it can do to the enemy, like, or do to you, like, keep you free from confusion, or make the enemy turn to stone. You know, I I always found it funny with Yuna, is that if you bothered to solve the optional puzzle in the very first temple, and you get that staff that's hidden in there for her, unless you try and get the ultimate weapon, that's actually, like, one of the very best staffs right from the beginning of the game. Let's... Um, do, are we counting the temple puzzles as mini-games, or shall we deal with them now? Everyone remembers how Titus apparently was Arab, so that he could never use his unclean left hand, and had to only move one sphere at once, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually enjoyed the temple puzzles. I, I went out of my way to solve all of them. Did not. I use a guide any and every time I play that guide game. I mean, some of the puzzles just become obnoxious, particularly the end ones. What, you don't like dancing on the Tetris shapes and having to go back to the screen to look at which ones need to be highlighted each time? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... I think I liked that one. <laughs> yeah, that was Did good. you get that far? Oh, maybe it was a different one. They all sort of blend <laughs> together. I, I I stopped playing at um the the Death Goddess boss. Lady. Lady. Oh, Unalaska. Yeah, Unalaska. Yeah, that's actually, I, quite, that's actually really world. quite far into the game. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure how. I just remember at that point realizing that I was going to have to grind a lot to actually get past her and that I just didn't care enough about any of the characters or what was going on to bother. <laughs> so that's when I quit. I've done that a few times with this game. <laughs> I, I played it like technically four times I just kept quitting and quitting coming back years after years what about so somebody... John Michael your thoughts on the temple puzzles um they they never really bothered me okay John I don't remember them being annoying I, I was just I was just thankful enough that uh, that um whoever was designing the temples um didn't put random encounters in them yes I can agree yes. with that emphatically yes. Okay. Yes, I imagine? appreciated that. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't mind them. I like puzzles, so they're better than the crappily controlled mini games. So I like yeah, puzzles I... that move faster and allow you to use both of your hands. Again, Titus must be Arab, or else his left hand would be used. I can carry a sphere in my left hand. Why can't Titus? <laughs> you know, I, 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 really, if, if I try to remember, I think the only puzzle that really gave me trouble was the Bahamut Temple. Oh, the. Uh, the stupid yes. Tron level where you have to push the pla- the the monoliths around. Yeah, I remember that. That took me half an hour. Oh, I didn't think that one was that bad, but whatever. Well, I think that's the only one that gave me a challenge with actually trying to solve it. So, were you know, real quick here because we got to wrap this up. We're short for time. Were there any other? Um, either really great or really bad memory uh, mini games that stick out of your mind. I don't want to talk about every mini game in in, in Final Fantasy X, but was there something that made you go ooh or ugh? Chocobo racing, chocobo racing. Was it? I you were, that. 
I second that. <laughs> Zero seconds. Somehow. Well, that was easy. It was actually based on luck. It all depended on if you got the right set. Oh, well, I probably explained why I found it so easy then. Yeah, some people have to spend like three hours getting it. Other people get it in the first go. I was actually, something I just actually remembered when you mentioned, it's not quite mini-games, but um, I was just reminded that um, the battle system itself included like little, um, like, trigger commands. Does anyone remember those? Yeah, when you did limit yes. breaks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, not just limit breaks, but like um, certain boss fights, you had commands that affected the out. You know, change the change like the talk, battle. Talk to the boss. Was oh yeah, that was hilarious. Last boss. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I actually just thought that was rather well implemented. I just just suddenly struck me that we we hadn't covered it. I totally yeah, always talked to the boss if I could. I gave the captures. Yeah, I, I remember there was one with, like, the very first time you fight Seymour, and his two bodyguards have, like, an extremely high defense, and then there's some special command that comes through, like, halfway through the bottle to, like, one-hit the guards. So any other great or terrible minigames before we wrap this up? Butterflies are evil. <laughs> oh, that, yes, I did try that. I tried it once, I got into too many random fights, and I said, screw this. I think I did that one. I think oh, it was annoying. The uh, the the monster arena. Now that was a mini game in itself. What what did um, you think of the monster arena? I think the monster arena is actually where I spent the vast majority of my time in Final Fantasy X, trying to defeat the um, incredibly hard um, encounters that you could. That um, basically there's this this one guy in the middle of you know a grassy wilderness. You go out and capture. Um, uh, monsters for him and he somehow managed manages to breed creatures several times stronger than the final boss just <laughs> but the you know these things had most of the um the really hard ones that you started to unlock when you captured like large multiples of creatures they had you know it hit points in the millions with abilities that could just easily one shot you like the the uh the the nega elemental that countered just about anything you did to it with ultima every single time and the uh you know and there was um the hardest one was a, a reskin of ultima weapon called nemesis who had like 10 million hp and was like the second hardest boss in the game the only one being harder being um uh, penance, but I hardly know anyone who ever fought him. So, and, well, he's only in your version, so that's why. <laughs> yeah, because in the uh, at least in the version I played, um, there were eight optional boss fights against the Dark Aeons, so yeah. black versions of of the the eight summonable Aeons, and they were hard. You know, these things were um, these things were nasty. You know, they had they had. Many thousands of hit points, attacks that could kill you extremely quickly. It's just, uh, they were ow. But if you managed to actually uh, defeat all of them, um, you would unlock a, a final optional boss called Penance, um, who was the game's sort of true, uh, sort of super optional boss that Square Enix games like having in. Um, and I think I only killed him because I cheated and used Yojimbo. Uh, let's let's wrap this up in typical RPG backtrack fashion. I'm gonna give oh, each have, one. We, we haven't addressed a big big spoiler. We should be addressing, which is the Titus is a dream. Yeah, this is the spoiler cast. We have to address this. 
Yeah, that kind of goes back to the plot, which I still don't understand. <laughs> but, you know what, Mike, you know what, Mike, in your two-minute monologue, feel free to explain that, because... Oh, we can cover that when we talk about 10-2, surely. Well, yeah, absolutely. So let's let's do our let's do our wrap ups here because we gotta get going. Uh, Charles, why don't you start us off? Do, tell us why in a minute or two why people should run out and get this. Uh, it's on Half dot com for like five bucks, or whether they should take a pass. Go. I'd say take a pass. I really don't think it's a great game. Um, I do kind of think it's kind of the start of darkness for the series almost. Um, it's not terrible, but it's just one that really is a bitter feeling in my mouth anytime I to pick it up. Fair enough, Mr. John. Um, personally, um, I, I it's, it's inexplicable. I spent a lot of time with Final Fantasy X, but it's by no means my favorite. Um, I, you know, I much prefer Final Fantasy IX, I much prefer Final Fantasy VI, and heck, I sunk a lot of time into Final Fantasy XI. Um, but it, I don't know, I, I don't get it. I, it it's very... So it's above mediocre, and I, I don't think I would recommend it, but I somehow managed, still managed to sink so much time into it. Hmm. What are your thoughts, Mike? Apps? Um, I'd say, you know, it, if if you're one of the people who hated Final Fantasy thirteen and the linearity of it, you know, not a lot of exploring to do, then you should avoid it. But if that kind of thing doesn't bother you, I think it's... Uh, fun, entertaining story to go through. It's got a great uh, battle system. It's got some mini-games like Blitzball that you may or may not get into, and you know, overall, I think it's a high point for the series. Uh, fair enough, Mr. Roy. Well, um, for me, whenever I judge the Final Fantasy games, I always judge them with the games that came before 6 and that came after. Um... Ten, it's better than seven and eight, worse than nine, and you can put a debatable whether or not it's better than twelve. Its story, unless you're really paying attention to it, is kind of confusing. Its battle system is all right. Its graphics held up really well over the years. Overall, it's a fairly average game. It's not a super great game, but it's not bad either at the end of the day. What do you think, Beck? Well, like, I I just didn't get into this game. I had a little fun with it for a while, but as I said, eventually I realized I just didn't care. And I think part of that may have been sort of the un, underlying kind of nihilistic, <laughs> all this whole struggle is kind of useless kind of feel to the game. That's not usually my bag of tea. So I don't know. It's just not anything I would bother recommending to anybody. You know, I'll go ahead and put in my two cents um, because this is actually one of the games that I played uh, for once. Um, you know, I had a lot of great memories with Final Fantasy X because I did get it right when it came out for the PlayStation 2. And at the time, it was really cutting edge. There are certain aspects of the game, in my opinion, that have held up really well, like the graphics and the uh, the combat system. I, I still like that, and I think there's a lot of improvements it made to the standard traditional turn-based JRPG that a lot of people need to go back and implement because we're still getting – you know, old-fashioned turn-based games to this day. With that being said, yeah, I'm with Roy in the fact that it's not the the best Final Fantasy. It's not the worst one. I, I would almost position it exactly as Roy said in the list of Final Fantasies and whatnot. I think whether, in my opinion, whether or not you go back and you play this if you haven't done so already, 
uh, depends on whether or not you're more of a of a battle system um, type of person and, and whatnot. Because I do like the battle system. I like the way the characters leveled up. And for me, even though I totally didn't get the plot, I didn't care much for the puzzle elements. I certainly didn't care for most of the mini games. Um, the battle system is kind of what really you know drew me through the entire experience for the most part. And the story was you know okay, but at the end of the day, I kind of really still don't get the ending part of it. But you know, for the last word, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand the microphone over to Mr. Minky. What did you think? Oh, I'll give it a recommendation. Not a high recommendation, not something that I say, You haven't played it? What is wrong with you? But I, I'm with Phil in that the combat is excellent, and the leveling system is very addicting. The puzzles, meh. Everybody, lots of other people have said that they like the puzzles, so apparently I am far from the final word on this subject. The story, um, consi- I didn't get the chance to go into all the things I found stupid or nonsensical or just plain irritating about it, but it does have some good points. And considering you're going to be sitting there watching the cutscenes play out for a good eight hours or so, that has to be important. You c- it can't be nothing but arduous, horrific nonsense, or else I would just throw the controller at the screen and destroy the disc. <laughs> But, yeah, for the combat, for the leveling, and for a lot of the location work. And, yeah, I'll give the, I'll give the score mostly a, a good nod. I think Umatsu did a good job here. I have less praise for some of the voice actors, but we can get into that another time. And there. I, I'm giving it a recommendation, not a high one, but a recommendation nevertheless. You know, Mike, I've got, I've got just one question for you. What can I do for you? Twang! We'll be right back. We'll be right back after we after this brief musical selection for Final Fantasy X-2. If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. Girl Power, uh, Final Fantasy X-2! <laughs> what can I do for you? Show me into the whole world you could 
Because we are living in a material world And I am a material girl You know that we oh, are living my in ears a material world stop. And I am a material girl Oh my gosh, I'm a... That's okay, he only hit about four or five keys while he was doing that <laughs> Well, that's probably about three more than I would have hit if I had tried that Look, no, you're not supposed to hit different keys. I had, pick, I had to pick someone else synonymous with girl power, sort of. Girl power tonight has been brought to you by Square. The Final <laughs> Fantasy X-2 is the game we're talking about. This was released for the PlayStation 2 in North America on November 18, 2003. This is a single-player console RPG experience rated T for terrible singing. <laughs> and and uh, let us let us talk about this is the first Final Fantasy game that got a direct sequel, and I say the first because um, not only is it first, but we actually got uh, just a recent announcement that Final Fantasy Thirteen would also be getting something very similar in Thirteen Two. So does Remnant Wings count as a direct sequel for Twelve? No, <laughs> no. Okay. Um, wonderful. Two years have passed. Everyone's happy and wonderful in the new world without sin. Only Yuna still misses her magical boyfriend. He's hot. Fortunately, she's found possibly a way to find him. All she has to do is cut down these um, spear grids that have videos of the past recorded onto them. And so she joins her cousin Riku and newcomer Pain, and they go on mystical, magical girl power adventures. With regard to these sphere gri- spheres, I should mention that something newly recorded in this game looks to be just as decrepit in its video condition as something that is a thousand years old. I find that fascinating. <laughs> well, admittedly, most of the videos you do find are kind of corrupted, but hey. Yes, and then uh, Ormi shows you something that was recorded just two days ago, and it looks just as crappy as something that's a thousand years old. Actually, I think it might be because they're using the same ones. I mean, they basically just took an old VCR tape and re-recorded over it. Let I don't think they actually make new ones of these. Let me... Let's, let, let, shall let, we... Well, let's set the table first and just point out, I mean, right from the get-go, this game slaps you in a different direction because uh, whereas Final Fantasy X from the very beginning felt kind of sort of serious, despite Titus's weird laugh, um, I mean, for the <laughs> most part, it tried to present itself as a serious story, even if half it went over my head. Uh, Final Fantasy X-2 starts right away with girls rock and roll, and you're, you're introduced to the characters as they're invading a rock concert with a J-pop song that I can't get out of my head to this day. doesn't help that the wife plays it every few months for kicks and giggles in the car. But um, uh, and and the first battle they fight is the, the the three ladies fight is with their counterparts on a stage in front of thousands of people. Um, so de- and then and then after that, you know, you're working your way out of there in a mob costume. The the atmosphere, the setting, the the flavor for this game immediately starts off not only as girl power but as a a more lighthearted adventure romp right from the beginning. How did that make you feel, Mike? <laughs> Minky. It was funny. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, yeah. It made me feel disoriented and confused and befuddled. Um, I was... I, I had a sort of interesting experience with it. Um, I I was doing... When Final Fantasy X-2 was around, I was doing work experience for um, Games Master, the, the magazine in the UK. Uh, and they had an imported Japanese copy of Final Fantasy X-2. Now, I, uh, at this point, you know, I'd played Final Fantasy X. I'm like, kick ass! They've got the sequel. I, you know, I'm going to put that in the, um, uh, the, you know, put that into the Office PS2 and and have a go. 
Uh, and so I, I did. I, I sat through the opening and got into the opening fight. And then the fire alarm went off and we evacuated the building, which I think kind of just sort of beautifully set the stage for the, for the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> Run away from this game. Run away. Becky. As the lady on the team here, how did how did you perceive this change from ten to ten two? Was it a change for the better? Well, you know, I, I think of Final Fantasy ten two kind of like you know a drag show for women because you, you can't keep you can't take it seriously. Like I I you know I've seen feminist arguments against ten two, but I just don't think it's necessary to levy such a thing because it's just ridiculous campy silliness and i preferred it to final fantasy 10 just because i didn't take final fantasy 10 very seriously at least this game was funny it's it's charlie's <laughs> angels in video game form. am i thinking of the what the hot spring scene I don't even know if I got that far. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't where, get. For Yuna and Riku, have decided that because Pain is in a swimsuit that they brought with them somehow, they're going to ogle her in the water. Uh, well, there's that. I I wasn't even talking about any like lesbian overtones, although there are obviously plenty of them there. I'm just. <laughs> I was thinking of it more in terms of the camp kind of thing. <laughs> now, I mean, so when if when it. I mean, as you got into the game, at least a little bit, Becky, did you did you feel like did you feel like you were enjoying the 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 story and the plot more? I mean, did it connect with you more than than Tin did? I wouldn't say it connected with me, but I just like my my husband and I played it co op kind of. We passed the controller back and forth with us, so it was more sort of lighthearted silliness, which I kind of preferred <laughs> since I didn't think the story deserved to be taken seriously in the first one anyway. So <laughs> I was like, hey, this is funny. Mm. Anybody else with a thought about the? I mean, as far now, let's talk. A little, well, I guess we could talk a little bit more about the plot, such as it was. I mean, the you know, well, who was who was talking about that? John. Oh uh, well, I was gonna say Yuna's Yuna's magical boyfriend has has vanished uh, due to plot events that happened at the end of Final Fantasy X, in which it's revealed that Titus himself is actually just a dream of, um, uh, well, these things called faith that are basically dreaming a, a spectral city and all of its inhabitants, of which Titus is one. Um, so he vanishes. Yuna is, all, is quite sad about that. So she embarks on this epic quest to, to try and either find some closure or bring him back. Now, if I remember, there was a stinger in Final Fantasy X that shows Titus alive again. So it was kind of like a sort of pseudo-sequel hook, even if you don't actually see that unless you get 100% completion in X-2. Yeah, and so, that was that was the catcher. I actually had picked up the hint book for this, or, you know, the guide, the Prima guide for, like, five bucks. I saw it in the store one day, I was like, yeah, I got that game, five bucks, not a bad price, I'll get it for the artwork, if nothing else. And as I'm reading through it, it's like, in order to get the good ending, you've got to get 100%. I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> what? Yeah, that's, I think when we accidentally strayed off the, the preordained path and... We're no would no longer be able to get 100 percent is when we could because it was like yeah forget it and and it was so easy to miss something early on and and some of that stuff you couldn't get back and get points for from what I understand no mm-hmm. uh, actually I was oh sorry go on well probably the worst one is um starting I think chapter two or three you have to go around advertising a particular company or you need to go and find someone to marry this loser and if you forget to do that for one chapter it's incompletable. And that actually happened to me. I got to ninety six percent. 
Ooh. All I was missing was those two quests and the final super dungeon. And when I realized I, you know, screwed up there, I was like, oh, well, no good ending for me. Let's move on. Look it up on YouTube. What do you think, John? I did. Uh, I, myself, I only got to, I got to 94. Um, but I was going to say, there's actually uh, uh, one even potentially even more obnoxious is right in the opening scene, or sort of the opening chase sequence. If you don't go and find um, the Moogle cowering in the corner, that is a completion percentage. Mm. Um, but I was going to say that um, there, it, Final Fantasy X-2 did have a bit less of the, the, the kind of preordained path because you got access to the um, uh, got access to the um, airship so early in the game. Um, the so... airship, which looks like something no one should ever have to look at. I, I never <laughs> thought to myself, "Hey, let's smash two motorcycles together, put." a whole bunch of mechanical junk in the middle and call it an airship. It'll fly, sure. It's not the strangest thing Square Enix has made fly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fail, anyone? But the things that look no, like... No, the graphics are better here so I can more gauge, wow, that looks really stupid. <laughs> but the things that look like they could fly, a.k.a. the Chocobos, they can't. Um, but I'm just thinking, was because you have access to the airship so early... Although there is a bit of preordained path, you you do actually have quite a lot of freedom to go and explore the areas that you went through in, um, you know, explore the areas that you probably went through in Final Fantasy X after a certain point. And in in most chapters, it was a um, you know, it was kind of a requirement if you were going for the one hundred percent completion, because um, you know, you had to complete all of the side quests in every chapter. Um, and I think 100% completion was impossible on one playthrough anyway. So, so actually, I just level up chapter 4 and I have about 45% completion. How much did I not do? <laughs> A lot. <laughs> you know what? I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, Charles, I have a question for you. So um, you, you said you worked really, really hard. Unfortunately, you fell a couple of points clo- uh, uh, short because of you missed a couple of things you know, in the earlier chapters that I, I mentioned. But you did go ahead and you checked out on YouTube, right? Yeah. Was it, is, it does it make, is it, tell those people who might be considering or contemplating grabbing the hymn book and trying to 100% this thing, is it worth it? No. Okay. It's it's just a scene with Titus and Yuna being Titus and Yuna. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, does it, I mean. Let's well, and and we love spoilers here on on RPG Backtrack. So I mean, the, I mean, I guess the end result of this plot and you you Una's search for Titus was something along the lines of the spheres that she picked up, thinking that they were spheres of Titus that could lead him closer to her. Were really scenes from two pat uh, from a past couple that looked similar to both of them, right? Yeah. It was, well, um... here's your first clue that Shuyin is not Titus. He doesn't have a squeaky voice. <laughs> Same voice actor. <laughs> well, that means that his versatility is much higher than I would have given credit for. So, so it, it, does this does this ending? If you do hundred percent, change that that resolution to the plot at all? Because I mean, if I remember correctly from the ending I got, she never really did reconnect with with Titus. Well, what happens is um, one in the at one point towards the end of the game, right before you get the final cutscene. You're in a dark space, and if you press the X button, you will um, talk to the Faith of Bahamut, and he'll ask you, would you like us to do something for you? And if you say yes, then you get Titus. 
now if you get a now if you now if you get a hundred percent on top of that, you get a, an extra scene with um Union Tears just hanging out in um Xanarkin and you know, just being silly. So you don't actually have to get a hundred percent to get Tears back. You just have to know what you need to be doing. Ah. Um well, I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. I'll just look it up on YouTube, thank you. Um <laughs> uh, Roy, you there? Maybe hopes. Looks, looks like we need to have Mr. Apps talk in his stead. What are your thoughts on this, Mike? Uh, you know, I really wanted to like this game because, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of Ten, but you know, just the the different soundtrack and you know, I I I can't really put my finger on it, but I just could never get into this game, even though I like the battle system. It just completely turned me off. The, the, in specific regards to the plot, how did it hit you? The, I found the plot boring. <laughs> what can I do like, for you? Like, it didn't interest me at all. <laughs> Rewrite the story, maybe? I, I <laughs> actually like... like the sequence where you get to play Yuna in the Moogle suit, and you have to hand balloons uh, out to people? No. <laughs> I actually liked the, the singing. But, the thingy? You know, the, the, the singing. Oh, okay. Not the thingy, the singing. Not the, yes, the singing. But other than that, the, I really found the music to be pretty subpar. Right. It sounds that's, to me like a 90s pop band tuning up all the time. Yeah, that, that sounds about right, actually. I, I think that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Roy, so if you like that, it, then good. This is for you. Right? <laughs> oh. <clears throat> any, anywho. I mean, one of the things I remember about this game was that while it did have a totally different approach, it recycled a lot of the settings and the scenes and stuff right directly from Final Fantasy X. Yes, it did. <laughs> a lot. Now, now, everybody, is that laziness or nostalgia? Um, I think when you have a pregnant woman who's about pregnant for about, I think, seven to eight months, and she is looking exactly the same, that would be laziness. Or magical no. boob glue. <laughs> Can we it's stop talking about the magical boob glue? <laughs> I mean that the third trimester is visible? Wow, I'm learning all sorts of things tonight. And as well, as, apparently Waka is getting fat. Who knew? Yeah, he he really looks to be a tubbo now. Well, at least they changed something. Let's Speaking of... Hey, how about that wonderful game where you get to shoot tons of animals on the, the Besaid path and um, still not get anywhere because you can't beat that guy. He's too good. Ah, save that one for the minigame section. We're almost there. <laughs> let's, since, you mentioned, since, you missed, since you mentioned Mr. Tubby, uh, let's talk about the characters for the minute. Uh, for a few minutes. So, Mike, what did you, what did you think about, I mean, I mean, I think Yuna, would you agree with me, Mr. Miki, that Yuna and Riku didn't change a whole ton? Uh, Yuna's outfit certainly changed. Oh, yeah, that changed. Oh, yeah, Miss, I got guns instead of a staff now and shorts instead of a skirt. But, I mean, as far uh, as their uh, characters go. Yeah, her... She's a slightly better voice actress now, but she still seems way too sleepy half the time. Riku, on the other hand, seems to have gotten even more excitable, which <laughs> is hard on my ears, frankly. I, I can't take teenage girls squealing in my ears very well. I'm sorry. But Payne, uh, but but your good friend Miss Payne provides a contrast to that. She's the new character on the team. Yes, and she looks frankly like she should be in Joan Jett's band or something. <laughs> Payne, she's awesome. 
You didn't you didn't like Pain Mike? I didn't say I didn't like her. I said she looked like she should be in Joan Jett's band. What did you I think? like Joan Jett. Uh, but what did you think of Payne as a character and an addition to these two other characters? How does she compliment uh, them? She talks a lot less, and when she says something, it's usually snarky, and I can usually agree with that by the time she gets to the point of issuing forth the snark. <laughs> Becky, what did you think of Payne? I thought it was hilarious that they had to add a goth girl, and since Lulu is now you know married and so therefore not allowed to have any more fun in her life, they had to add Payne instead. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the, the the snarkiness was appreciated and needed. <laughs> yeah, um, hey, we have fr- completely forgotten about Kimari again. Our blue kitty friend, what's he up to now? He, Is he, he was, in the game? I totally don't remember. <laughs> he was in the game. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah, remember he was in that one scene coughing up a fur ball. Remember they had to clean it up afterwards. It was really big. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, well, we learned that Seymour's genocide of the Ronso in 10 apparently didn't happen because they're just really angry at the Guado for some reason. They're not all dead. Well, if you think about it, the sports team and a lot of other ones were out of town at the moment, so it's not like Seymour killed all of them. Just enough of them. Did the Ronso play Blitzball? Yes, they did. They, they had a team, and the team was in Luke at the time. Okay, um... So, yeah, basically the survivors of the race are a couple of children who were with their parents at the sports arenas, the um, sporting team, and Kamari. The race has high hopes, Liet. I paid no attention to Blitzball, and this is my punishment. Oh, wait, my reward. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. John, you there? Yeah, I'm here. What did you think about the, um, the team of... Um, um, of 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 YRP or whatever they were called, <laughs> Yuna and Payne and Riku. Um, well, I felt that um, Chento had gone in the direction that um, you know, Final Fantasy games they have these kind of like gloriously happy endings, and then uh, you, you never actually you know you that's kind of it. You know, the credits end and it says the end, and you you never kind of find it. You know, the characters have resolved their emotional trauma, and you know they've had their character development, and then the game ends and nothing comes of it. So I think ten, the the team in Ten Two was interesting because two out of the three of them had already gone through the events of uh, Final Fantasy Ten, and in um, uh, Riku's case, it had only served to make her more excitable, but I think at least in Yuna's case, it, it turned her into quite, a, well, it turned her into an interesting enough character to pay attention to, if nothing else. And yeah, I, I agree that Payne's snarkiness was definitely needed, if just to offset Riku most of the time. Do you feel, and, do you feel that aside from her snarkiness, was Payne uh, a, a good whole character in and of herself, or snarkiness aside, was she just a, a female version of a big blue kitty? <laughs> that that really wasn't necessary to move the plot. Was she integral to either the character development of the other two characters or the plot itself, or was she just pretty much necessary to fill that third she gap wasn't, in? I don't think she she wasn't integral. I don't think to the development of to either of either uh, Yuna or Riku, but she 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 had a kind of tenuous link to the uh, the sort of plot events in Ten Two and the and the characters involved. With it. Nothing in this game was necessary. So I don't think it's really a useful question. You've got a point. Yeah, you'd switch out the word necessary with 
I don't know. Actually. So if I'm the main sure. characters aren't really that necessary, what about what does that say about the other supporting characters in the story? Were there other supporting characters <laughs> that were that somehow helped the might, plot? I along? think we might give Mike nightmares about LeBlanc again. Uh, let, let's not talk about LeBlanc yet. Let's talk about something even more nightmare-inducing. Brother. Oh God. You know what? I, I took oh. down this, this fascinating quote from the band of musicians that end up on the ship in chapter two. I think it is. I think this reveals a lot about brother. Yes, that brother's very nice. He even let us pick his lice. Oh. Think about that, won't you? I, I think you just killed off the conversation, Mike. Uh-huh. When we're talking about brother, that's for the best. Mm. I think my brain just exploded. You know, I played this game so long ago, I can't remember the details about the supporting characters. I did not make that quote. That came from the game. (laughs) I can't remember the details about the supporting characters, but as soon as you mentioned Brother, a flood of memories just came back. Memories that I had (laughs) locked in my subconscious to protect the rest of my mind. Thank you, (laughs) Minky. I appreciate that. If I'm in pain, you're going to share it. Mm. Well, speaking of pain, since there isn't much to say about the supporting cast, that's worth mentioning. Um, How about Shinra? Somebody want to talk about the... Shuhin? Shinra, Shinra's entire purpose was to set up a very, very, very lame joke about Final Fantasy VII. That was it. Yep. Apparently, Final Fantasy X-2 is a prequel to the entire series of Final Fantasy VII. Ha, ha, ha. Jeez. Hilarious. Hilarious. As like the villains. Talk about the villains for a couple of minutes, weren't they? <laughs> uh, well, well, LeBlanc I, is wearing a, a completely impossible outfit, I think. Um, somebody wanted no, to discuss... This, the series that, this, is, this is the game that had Lulu in it. We threw out possible outfits ages ago. Yeah, but she's wearing a big tattoo of a heart at the, in the center of her chest. Uh, anyway, um, I... <laughs> I guess the main issue is um, Shu Yin seems to be in the wrong game. I, it's like he just kind of walked in on the set and had no idea he was in like a comedy. I think that's probably the biggest issue is he's completely serious and no one else is. Yeah, he's kind of like jumping around. It's kind of like, hey guys, I'm a serious villain. I do actually want to destroy the world. And you can actually let him do that if you let him do so. But still, you know, he's kind of like leaping around. It's like, hey guys, yeah, I want to destroy the world. And everyone's like, nah, we're too busy partying. We're too busy holding rock concerts to care. And doesn't he want to destroy the world because he's having a thousand-year-old hissy fit over his true love or something? Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> it's like the other... And he's going to use, like, you know, some kind of, like, really powerful mecha weapon to destroy the entire planet from the inside. I mean, wow, dude. Couldn't you just, like, you know, get over yourself? Oh, and why was that mech weapon never mentioned in 10 when it could possibly have been thrown at Sin and maybe they would have destroyed each other? I don't Um, know. They're they're retcon excuses that they figured out that if they actually use the machine, it cannot be turned off, and basically they replace Sin with something worse than Sin. Yeah, I think think that one was actually, is actually explained, was that if they turned it on, it has no friend-foe recognition, so it would just kill everyone. Oh. You know, it would it would it would kill Sin and then kill everybody else. Okay, okay, guys, you're, you're talking about talking about the the plot, and and then we went to talking about the characters, and then the supporting characters. It's kind of going downhill. I'm starting to get a headache. Let's wow. change this, this Let... picture of this picture of a LeBlanc cosplayer is overdose of pink. 
<laughs> put it in the show notes, Mike. Um, <laughs> let's let's switch gears and maybe talk about something that hopefully will be better. Let's talk about the battle system. Yay, Charles. Since you want to yay so much, why don't you tell start us off? Tell us how this battle system differs from the traditional uh, turn base we saw in uh, in Final Fantasy X. Well, Final Fantasy X was you know the turn base of the first three. Now with actual logistics put in, Final Fantasy X two actually does about the same thing by taking the ATB system and putting a new twist on it. It's not only faster and sharper. Um, each move um, has different load times. And you can actually chain your attacks. If you actually can scare, um, carefully um, get everyone to attack certain enemies in roughly the same time where position really matters, you can really nail some combos. It actually is... Um, I actually still think it's still the best use of the ATB system. I still don't think it was surpassed by 12 or 13, who brought new ideas but just didn't keep all the good ones. What did, what did you think about it, John? Uh, uh, I actually uh, really quite enjoyed... Uh... 10-2 system um, it, it you know it kind of combined elements of the um, ATB system that we were used to in the in the Final Fantasy games but also contained um, you know the, the ability to switch job classes on the fly was was pretty neat and yes I did turn the animations off they got in the way same <laughs> um we will we we'll, we'll talk about the the the, the closer the dress fear mechanic in just a teeny tiny minute. Michael Laps, what did you think about the battle system overall? I really like the job swi- switching aspect of it, and you know it pretty much seems to be the basis for what Final Fantasy Thirteen uh, eventually brought about, which is did a much better job of it, I think. But uh, it was certainly. It's a really cool mechanic, I think. They just could have done without the long, drawn-out uh, costume-changing animations. Well, uh, before, at least you before, could turn those off. Before we hit that, Mike, um, <laughs> before we get um, into the, the dress fear system or whatnot, what did you think as far as the fact that now we have an ATB system, you can chain combos? Was, 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 that, a turn, was that a change for the better for the series? Absolutely. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Grandia and um you know it was it's I really like when they kind of mess around with the active time battle system like that. Hmm. What did you think, Becky? I mean you you were you still new to the series when by the time you hit Ten Two or had you played some other games that did have the ATB beforehand or was this your first exposure to it? No, no, it wasn't. I've never been the biggest fan of the ATB system, but it was pretty fun in this game and you got to play dress up, so hey. Well, let's talk about the dress-up. So, in in the combat system, uh, your characters could unlock classes by finding dress fears, and that would change your character's abilities and access to skills in battle, and it could be pretty much done on the fly. Did So you liked the dress-me-up girls? <laughs> because... actually, my, actually, my husband really likes playing dress-up with RPG characters. Uh, I just think it's funny. Uh, yeah, because you see Yuna, she go from her normal... I, and that was a nice switch. <laughs> after, after watching your... You know your character wield the same thing throughout all of Final Fantasy X for you know forty to hundred hours or whatever have you. In X two, um, you could you could you know depending on what class your character was, you, she might be dressed as a white mage, a dark knight, you know, an alchemist or, or whatever have you. And each one was a although different... it doesn't matter in the cutscenes, they wear the same thing. Um, 
you know, that was kind of cool, the ability that, yeah, they would look at least different in the combat stuff. Yeah, once you're in, you know, my Mike's right, when you're in the real world, you always look the same, or outside of combat, I should say. Well, they uh, didn't quite have the in-engine cutscene stuff down yet at that point. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it was a lifesaver. I think it was John mentioning that that you could turn those guys off was absolutely a lifesaver, especially if you like to do a lot of summons, because in order to summon, you had to change classes numerous times in order to fill out uh, a particular uh, dress sphere board. Do you remember uh, remember that system, John? Yeah, uh, you basically had to um, make you had to change to all of the jobs on a, on a on the grids that you'd equip prior, and then you'd have access to a a very powerful uh, dress sphere that um, removed the other two characters from play, but sort of gave you a a kind of um, it sort of also t- sort of turned you into a three part boss almost uh, with quite high damage output. Um, but I was actually going to say that um, the I think the other saving grace of the um, uh the 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 dress fear system was it meant that um the the sort of the costume designers could go to town on on sort of making references to all the final fantasy games in the costumes like the um the 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 white mage um sphere sort of um bringing back the the very traditional um white with red trim robes and yeah stuff it was like that. it was absolutely awesome because um i i had played almost the entire series through um as they came out and when you got to final fantasy 9 they said this is going to be the last traditional final fantasy game so when you played you know final fantasy 10 it was no big surprise that nobody looked like anything from the previous final fantasy games they all had their own original looks so it was a nice treat when 102 came out and you got to see the white mage robes uh you know the trims like you said and the colors and if you had been keeping up with the series especially if you had played final fantasy 5 or tactics uh, where there was a lot of classes and changes going on, it was it was definitely a a a, a great nod in that direction. Quite- um, I was also I was also just thinking also that um the the weapons that they wield and the various things are all were all um sort of ones that cropped up in Final Fantasy X as well. So um you know they they got they, I think they also did get some use out of um reusing assets, but in a good way. Um, I mean, okay, it was probably still a bit lazy, but still. Did did you? I, I, the problem I had, John, was when the when you did a summons and you turned into a three part big boss, essentially, that my damage output and effectiveness really wasn't as good as just having the three separate members. Did did you run into that issue? Uh, I think I ran into it a bit. Um, it, it's been quite a while since I've played um, Ten Two, so I'd probably have to go back to it and double check and actually see what my damage output was like. But as a comparison between the two, I think it honestly depends on things like your party setup as well. If I do remember though, the the the, the more power the, the the more powerful forms you did get access to through that um, were really quite resilient. So they were quite good for boss. Yes, battles. I noticed that uh, Yuna and Riku's special abilities. Um, I haven't gotten pains. <laughs> Come equipped with an automatic ribbon, which helps out immen- immensely. Yeah, so defense against space status attributes that the parts can sort of revive each other. So they're they're quite um, they're quite resilient and useful in under certain circumstances, even if your damage output does take a hit. Mm. How about um, how about you, Charles? What did you think of about the dress sphere and the summoning system? Uh, I do like the ability to change classes in uh, midway. Honestly, uh, the class system in Final Fantasy is still my favorite. I actually really wish they would do another actual numbered game outside of MMOs with the class system. But, uh, I don't know. I guess my I still don't consider it the best class system. While it's innovative to be able to change up in between um, battles and everything, 
I still think uh, it would be nice to be able to share abilities a bit easier. The only really way to share abilities in the game is to equip certain um, accessories or to use um, certain sphere grids that if you change between jobs, you like cure or something. I don't know. They didn't seem to really work too well, so you were kind of um, stuck with the five or no, the three to five jobs you went into battle with. I'd like to give a special demerit to the need to run around and seemingly talk to everybody in the freaking world in order to find a few of these dress spheres, like the alchemist. I apparently missed the person who allows me to get the alchemist dress sphere, so I can't get it now. Oops, oh, that's that was bad. Really, really useful. Oh yes, um, two dark knights plus alchemist is instant win button. Oh yeah, Dark Knights was absolutely. I was using and abusing Dark Knights. I used I I, Dark Knight. I do have that. I think I used Dark Knights in a White Mage though. But well, the thing is with um, the Alchemist, if you just mixed a potion, a high potion, which are very cheap by the end of the game, that gives you enough HP back on everyone every turn that you can basically have the other two spam darkness over and over and over. Yeah, I mean that's what I was doing: spamming darkness, and I was healing. I'm not sure if I was using. How I was keeping my magic points up, though, but I don't remember. Maybe you were using prayer. Prayer, yeah, maybe I was using prayer. Um, Mr. Apps, how about, what are your thoughts? Uh, like I said before, I really enjoy the, the class-changing system, and, you know, I agree that Final Fantasy is often at its best when it's doing the uh, class system, and, you know, the battle system probably saved this game from being really, really horrendous. <laughs> now, Michael, one thing, one thing, you mentioned Grandia in a comparison to the battle system. I yes. find with this game that it makes me pine for Grandia just for no random battles, because then I won't be pincher attacked, I won't be taken by surprise, except if I screw up. Whereas with random battles, I have no say in it, and Grandia gives me that say. I would definitely agree with you. Uh, Final Fantasy X, I think, was the first one that really... The, f- the first Final Fantasy that really made me start to pine for uh, for them to finally get rid of random battles. And the fact that it was still in there intend to really bothered me. Yeah, these these constant random battles are starting to get on my nerves, especially when they're really freaking random. I hate taking two steps and getting into another fight. Ugh. And even more especially, most of the random battles I get into are almost worthless. I get, what, 100, 200 experience when I am at level 40 or something? That's that's worthless. <laughs> um, oh, is Lady Luck really, really good? Uh, it is a, I don't know, it's a kind of shoddy gambler. I'm not sure if it's really worth it. I don't think I ever really used it. Well, we we can't really discuss what's necessary to get it until we get into the mini games. So let's hold off. In the meantime, let's talk about. Uh, you mentioned experience points earlier. Are you telling me this doesn't use the same sphere grid leveling system as Final Fantasy X? No, I'm all traditional leveling system on this one. Aww. Oh, I think it's a th- nightmare. Otherwise, I'll say this, and then I'll shut up. Um, I do like the way you get abilities to each dress sphere. That's kind of cool. There, I'm done. Which is how, Mike? You get ability points in battle, and you apply them to the next ability of your choice that that dress sphere can use. Ah, that sounds like fun. Anybody else's thoughts on the leveling system and the dress sphere system? No? Yes? Did I kill the discussion? I guess so. It was all that discussion about XP and dress spheres. 
I guess there's not much to say after you say, well, you gain levels and you gain abilities with each job you're currently. Oh, I'm sorry. The dress sphere, not job. Yeah. Dress. Jobs are dirty. They're for men. Yeah. Yes. Dressing <laughs> is for women. <laughs> it's always fun to see. Okay, how ridiculous is this new outfit going to look? That's what, that's the game we were playing anyway. You know what had been really cool in this game is instead of giving you experience points that made you leveled up, if every once every hundred battles you won a new pair of shoes, and the more shoes you had, the higher your level. <laughs> Phil, Square Enix might be listening. <laughs> Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> okay, well how then. Hats? No, that's not a. That's even worse. They uh, already made that game. Uh, oh, Final yes. Fantasy, Final right. Fantasy hat game. Sorry, I forgot. I love that game. We've established already that this game, as far as it's, as, aside from the, uh, as far as, aside from the direction that they took in making this feel more, I don't know what the word is, <laughs> um, J-pop-ish uh, than, the, than the Final Fantasy X, a lot of the... Yeah, a lot of the setting, the NPC interaction, a lot of that pretty much remained the same. But there were some interesting mini-game changes, weren't there, Mike? Oh, yes. Sphere Break. I tried that once. I did not like it. I do not like Sphere Break. No, I don't, Sam, I am. I do not like it where I am. I do not like <laughs> it on the can. I do not like it in the, on the land. Uh, so I'm not going to get Lady Luck because I hate Sphere Break. I didn't really like that game where I have to shoot a whole bunch of things on Besaid in order to beat that one guy who just decided that... No, oh, I can't. Yeah. I have to, I I have to shoot all these things in a row. Wasn't that awesome, though? <laughs> and hey, you know what I never wanted to really know, but now I do? The life cycle of a cactuar. <laughs> <laughs> and what I really wanted to never do was have a shooting practice with cactars, but I get to. I what other mini games have I participated in? There was a, most of the fun ones involve fighting things, and the unfun ones like passing out balloons involve needless busy work. Um, I'm done. I have nothing more. <laughs> I, I don't know if any of you can follow up. And uh, after that, does anybody want to try? All I have to say is that, you know, some of the minigames intend in to set the groundwork for I'm Captain Bosch von Ronsenberg minigame. Great ah. stuff like that seen in the future. Ah. Well, I know there is one decent thing about this is, uh, fortunately, for the most part, if you want to get the 100%, the minigames aren't necessary. All they want you to do with the minigames is at least attempt it. Just play it once, and that's all they want for you for the percentages. So, I've I mean, noticed that with the cactar shooting. I failed every one of them, and I still got the cactar to join me. Yeah, uh, basically, it's, it's a lot. It's, uh, basically, I think they took the notes from Final Fantasy X, where, you know, the minigames were evil, and if you did not do precisely what they wanted you to do, you failed. So at least, you know, you got a constellation point prize of, you know, the percentages. But I guess if you wanted certain items, certain dress fears, you you had to break down and start doing some arithmetic. I resist. I refuse. <laughs> Mr. Apps, your turn. Oh, I don't know what else to say about this game. Um, I'm just going to say, um, you know, Square Enix, take a look at this game, and if any of this stuff is in 
Final Fantasy thirteen two, we will no longer be friends. That's all Ooh, I have to say. That would be cool. Lightning starts singing J-pop. Oh, and... stop it. Stop yeah, it. Yeah, what can stop I do it. for you? Oh, I'm, just, I'm giving Square more ideas. Um, we see, been... I like the characters in 13, so I don't want 13-2 to be like 10-2. Actually, apparent, apparently 13-2 uh, uh, will not have a J-pop theme. There was a recent oh, interview. Uh, what? There was a recent interview that said that Oof. with uh, Dengeki Magazine in Japan, I believe. So, yeah, no J-pop. Um, let's <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap this up with our with our final thoughts about this follow up to Square Enix's Final Fantasy X. Um, let's start with Mr. Michael Apps. What are what are your final thoughts on this game? Would you recommend it to others? Would you play it again? Is it a classic, or is it best left in the annuals of RP gaming history? Uh... To be perfectly fair, I'd say it's if you get it on the cheap, it's worth it just to mess around with the battle system. And did did you overall have an enjoyable experience with it? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What what did you find was most detrimental overall to the experience? The story. Mm. How about you, Charles? What did you think? Give us your give us your your final thoughts. Um, I. St- Still marginally like this more than Final Fantasy X. I don't know. I I never cared for ten, so I didn't kind of mind. You know, let's have a fun little party, battle system, round the world we go. Um, and also, we'll always have those songs in my head forever. All right. What about you, Mister John? Um, personally, uh. I think it's a case of uh, weaker on the story, but I I think I prefer Ten Two's battle system to Ten. Hmm. Uh, did, that's basically my feeling on it. Did you overall enjoy your experience with this game? Um, yes, but only because I had free time and a decent guide. So you only recommend it for those people who really got their backlog caught up then? Uh, yeah, basically. I yeah. uh, don't don't throw Ten Two into your backlog unless you. Unless I don't know, unless you um, got a lot of enjoyment out of ten or something, and even so, even if you really liked ten, you may not like what ten two did to it. So <laughs> it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to call, really. Mm. How about you, Becky? Okay, so like this game is like totally awesome. If you like, put on your mud mask and paint your toenails and have a nice bowl of chocolates and you sit down and it's kind of like having a slumber party. <laughs> Oh, M double G. Um, you know, I will say, you know, again, I played this like six or seven years ago, so my memory's a little foggy from years of abusing certain substances and whatnot. But I, I will say that I, I put this just a smidgen below uh, ten in my eyes. I, I. You know, there are some things I kind of, I kind of like the the atmosphere. After playing a a number of somber uh, Final Fantasy games in a row and coming to this, and it felt more lighthearted or whatnot. Though at the end of the day, like I think uh, Charles said, I just really didn't really the story just was very very throwaway. But then again, I didn't think much of Ten Story either. I like the battle system. I like being able to switch classes on the fly. I think just like one of y'all said, Final Fantasy Ten works best uh, when it's got that job class system. Uh, really involved there, and I guess it was in a way a predecessor to Final Fantasy Thirteen. Even though they didn't technically change jobs, they did kind of change stances or whatever the heck they were called. And I really enjoyed that style of gameplay. It changed things up, you know, on the fly, especially when.
when those changes made the difference between your team winning or losing. Um, it was really exciting. But aside from some of the higher moments of the battle system, it just didn't quite catch me as much as the other Final Fantasies, and I couldn't recommend it um, unless your backlog was pretty much caught up from what are you know a lot of the games that are out there that are clearly uh, you know high up on the RPG list. So um, I, I I sort of like it, yeah, I kind of like it, um, but I I wouldn't say make room in your in your life for it. Just go download the music though off of YouTube or something and listen to that and let it get stuck in your head like it's stuck in mine. Yeah, I will note. I will note that we got this game for like ten bucks. It's it's one of those kind of games. Hey, I'm not doing anything this weekend. I got ten bucks. Yeah, and you can and you can get it off of uh, and me being the price person. Uh, you can grab that guy off of eBay or Half.com for less than ten dollars after shipping. Uh, so it's really not expensive at all. It's a pretty much a cheap date with three ladies. Get it, uh, Mike? What are your final thoughts on the subject? Well, since I haven't finished the game yet, I can't give it a complete judgment. But based on what I've played, uh, I constantly want the characters to shut up. I find their banter annoying and irritating, and I really get tired of hearing it. And whenever Brother speaks, I keep wondering what Saturday morning cartoon actor is voicing this fellow, along with a lot of the the other characters. Uh, Shinra seems to also be voiced by a Saturday morning cartoon actor with his constant list. And I really have to wonder, why it hasn't Sting been successful with his goals of world peace through pop music? This game shows us that pop music can heal the world, literally. Um, okay, the combat system is pretty fun, I'll admit that. I do not like, however, the constant need to run around and talk to stupid people who usually say something like, Oh, Yuna, you're so beautiful, I love you. Something like that. Something completely worthless that I did not need to spend the five seconds reading. And, um, blah. Yeah, if I could just distill it to the combat, I would probably have something, even though half the time I think the enemies decide to get surprise attacks and hurt me first off. But I can't divorce it of all the other stuff, and that drags it down. Mike, I obviously need to send you a mud mask, some toenail polish, and a box of chocolates. Oh, snap. Apparently, I'll take the box of chocolates. <laughs> you know what I can do for you, Mr. Minky? I can say we're going to be right back after this musical selection to wrap this up with the final lap. I know that you're hiding things Using gentle words to share to me Your words were like a dream Dreams could never fool me Not that easily I acted so distant then Didn't say goodbye before you left But I was listening Don't fight your back
Turn back the pages 
we're here to wrap things up at the end of our Final Fantasy X and X-2 uh, journey here. Um, looking over some of the comments we had on the boards regarding our last RPG backtrack, which was a Harvest Moon f- uh, fiasco. Um, I think Becky remembers this. Becky, do you remember the Harvest Moon fiasco? I probably remember it better than you do. <laughs> Keep it up, <laughs> Becky. I can edit you out and put ampersands all over your voice. Um, <laughs> um, anywho, um, I enjoyed some of the comments going back and forth. I can't read them all on this show, um, but there was a lot of really great comments, and we really appreciate it uh, when you guys do that. You can leave your comments at board.rpgamer.com on any of our shows. Uh, we, we always post a link up there when we post a show. Um, Strawberry Eggs, I'll just mention some highlights. Strawberry Eggs mentioned that she finally figured out, by listening to uh, the ladies, which of the Harvest Moon games she should finally try uh, first. Um, or at least she had boiled it down to Magic Melody and Isle of Happiness, which Nick set her straight and told her, of course, stay away from Island of Happiness because if it's stylus only controls evil. Uh, anywho, yeah, stylus only controls are always a bad thing. Um, Not always, but they definitely are in that game. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. 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 I believe um, Amris had a correction for us. He wanted to add a comment about the first Harvest Moon. He said, you do uh, you you do go to sleep in the same bed with your wife, so that's a super bonus. Because, yeah, I mean, if you're sleeping in separate beds, that's like going back to Dick Van Dyke days and stuff. And really, it's are you not fun. there? There's no separate beds in Harvest Moon. It's just that you never actually see your character get in bed with their spouse in most of them. Ah, in this one you do, though, in the first one. Sexy. Sexy. Ooh, we got to rate that game M. Um, so, and he also oh, mentioned... Yeah, Super Nintendo sprites will really turn people on. Hey, let me. I, I got some links to some Atari games after the show, Mike. Um, anywho, um, he also said he also said that you can upgrade your house too. And it was really well done uh, for the first one of the series. You get your field, chicken, cow, dog, and a horse, and it was a lot of work to manage it all, which it really was because I remember playing that first one. It, it, you know, just with those elements alone, it was uh, a handful. So, thank you so much for your comments, and please tell us what you think about. Uh, Final Fantasy um, 10 or 10-2. Um, on our next uh, episode of RPG Backtrack, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing our mid-month special with Blast from the Recent Past and PC Pit Stop. We're gonna be talking about My Road My Way, Dragon Quest, Hand of the Heavenly Bride, Puzzle Quest Galatrix, Blue Dragon Plus, Legacy of Ease Books One and Two, and last but not least, Drake and Sang the Dark Eye. Our PC Pit Stop for the month will be The Witcher. So we would love for you to do audio reviews. Uh, one of the new things that we're doing is you could actually send us an audio review of any game that's more than two years old, and we would love to put it on the show. Uh, and you can also email us your written reviews. Now, those we'll be a little bit more picky about um, because there is only so much time on the show, but we'll be giving priority to well-written reviews so grammar does count and make sure it actually reads well. And we're specifically looking, when it comes to written reviews that we'll read on the air, we're specifically looking for reviews about lesser known games, those hidden gems, because that's really at the heart and soul of what RPG Backtrack is all about. So we'd love to hear from you about either the games that we're going to talk about, or maybe some lesser known games, lesser known gems that you think the whole world needs to know about. I want to thank my my co-host, Mr. Mike Minky, for doing an outstanding job, as always, of putting this together, and our gaggle of guests, Roy Burnett, Michael Apps, Becky Cunningham, John... 
calendar. I mean, um, dang it, I was so close, Yearworth and Charles Zapps. Always great to hey, have each thanks. of you guys on the show. <laughs> Real fast before we leave, I'm going to ask y'all. your name, Charles. Aren't you glad? Charles Reimer, Reimer. I don't remember these things. Anyways, before we leave the show, is there anything you want to say to the audience, Roy? Any, any last-minute plugs you want to get in? Oh, yes, everyone. Listen to the RPG Sanctum. There you go. You can find that at rpgamer.com. Mr. Apps. Uh, send mail to Q&A. Yeah, we I actually... did. I send that whenever you freaking ask, and I give you... I know you news. do. You're a good contributor. Yeah, absolutely. Michael Apps is in charge of... A, is that a weekly column, right? Yes. Uh, of our of our RP Gamer Q&A session. If you haven't checked out, it's very, very interesting. He tackles your toughest questions right there online. No holds barred. So send them an email with your toughest questions. And they can even be about old old RPGs, man. He's all hey, over Phil, the place. Yes, sir. You should send him a question about Final Fantasy X's plot. <laughs> or go lack thereof. It. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> never Becky. get to one Q&A without mentioning a Tales game, though. No. No, that's, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Becky, any final thoughts for our audience? Coming soon on the site, we are going to be having our Game of the Year feature, finally. It's taken a little while to put together, but it's almost done. And also, I am going to be previewing an MMORPG. Wait, what? Whoa, an MMO. Sweet. Which one? Script, I got into the beta. Stop the presses. I'm looking forward to it. Mr. John. Um... Please, 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 I implore you, if you are going to end up in a Dissidia game, please, please put some clothes on. I don't care if your costume is designed by Tetsuya Nomura. I don't care if you've got hundreds of belts on. Just please put some clothes on. (laughs) Charles. A Thousand Worlds, One Thousand Confessions will crater you, making all the pain you feel seem far away. They'll hold you forever. Thank you guys so very much, and also I thank your audience. We thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack and putting up with us. As always, you're the reason we do this. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us on twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to all of our previous podcasts Podcast, as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast, at RPGamer.com. Don't we have another sister show now? And our, yeah, I, I, gotta, I gotta update my spiel. <laughs> and our third sister sibling brother, maybe it's a brother show, at uh, RPG Sanctum at RPGamer.com. Mr. Mike, please send us away before I slaughter more names. The Blitzballs have been punctured. Sin is in the pages of history and the hearts of humanity. Vignagun has vanished right back into the collective wormhole of public consciousness. Pop music has saved the world again. Bono was right! And everything is just hunky-dory. Isn't that awesome? Quiet on the set. And action! No, no, what are you thinking, kid? That doesn't convey the feelings you should be having. But I thought, since my hair gel never changes even underwater... That the sheer amount of hair gel I must be using means my brain chemistry has been altered, and this style of laugh is necessary to reflect that. No, it's not a surplus of hair gel that's making your hair immobile. It's the fact that we're all wearing stainless steel wigs. Excuse me, I need a band-aid after I try to scratch my head. I still can't figure out why these people wanted to keep me alive. If it only meant they'd all die from the smog monster spree of destruction. By the way, why does what I'm saying not match how my lips are moving? 
It's absolutely deliberate. We're trying to enforce the alien nature of this setting by making it clear that none of the original actors were present for the recording of this dialogue. Isn't that ideal? Absolutely! It's a fascinating notion because we want to make people understand that the plot is the important thing. Speaking of that, how are we fixed for long sessions of moving glowing orbs to a repetitive tune? Now, I want everyone to know something. There's a game and the only one in the world that attracts large crowds and involves throwing basketballs underwater while suspended in the air and magically having players grow gills so that they don't need to surface for air every 30 seconds. This is the most popular attraction in the world and people throng to see the balls propelled like torpedoes because players have inhuman strength. How's that sound? Ha ha ha!